Warning, this podcast was produced by two men who still think that swearing is both big and clever. As a result, it contains quite a lot of it. Therefore, this podcast is not suitable for children, unless they're really fucking cool children. Hey everyone, Krister here. Welcome along to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. I'm doing this uh, this week because Dave is off on holiday. Uh, we recorded the episode last week uh, and he's buggered off to Spain or somewhere like that. Left me holding the fort. Uh, but I hope you're going to enjoy this one. It's about a big album for both of us, Nirvana's In Utero. And as you'll be able to tell you, we're both kind of fans of the band anyway. And it was a lot of fun to revisit this full album after a, a kind of a long time for both of us listening to it in full anyway, you know. It is just both of us this week. We've got no guests or anything. Thanks again to Jenny Fensom for helping us out on our last episode, Meatloaf, which we got a load of good feedback on. People really seem to enjoy that. It was such a ridiculous album in so many ways, and it was lovely to have someone else there to, uh, t- to enjoy it with us. So thanks again to Jenny for helping us out. Thank you also, by the way, to uh, a few different people who have very generously donated some money after the Meatloaf one. Really, really... Much appreciated. Thanks again. Including a good friend of mine, Nal Bakewell, who is a a big fan of this show that we know and has finally got his own podcast, The Zeros Podcast, up and running, just released. So if you want to hear someone else investigating different aspects of uh, the 90s time period, things like art, uh, politics, the fashion, as well as the music and the films and the pop culture, then d- definitely go and give a listen. Uh, Dave and I do appear on a future episode when he gets into more of the music of the era. But yeah, search that out. It's a really good podcast. But in the meantime, do enjoy this one. I hope you get as much out of it as we do. We'll be back again as soon as we can with a new, another new episode, but that obviously just depends on as and when we can get our shit together and get it recorded. Until then, thanks again. See you soon. <laughs> People, welcome to another episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. My name is Dave Fensom. I am here, as always, with Krista Greer. Hello, everyone. We are here to talk about a pretty fucking seminal album, a I'd big say. big old record this one is. Really, yeah, man. Uh, big I mean, deal. If you are, if you are a, an alternative kid of a certain age, then this album would have featured in your life in some shape or form. Certainly, even if you weren't listening to it, people were talking about it around you. Uh, which album am I talking about, Chris? We are talking about Nirvana's In Utero. Nirvana's In Utero. Now, obviously, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, uh, you will have heard we covered uh, Nevermind back in the first season of this, or second season? Oh, God. Uh, no, what would that would have been? Just 91? last season, I think. I, was... I would recommend... If you haven't heard that episode, going back and having a listen to it, because well, we sure. might reference some of the stuff we said in it. Well, also, there's no point in us covering in the same amount of detail how big Nirvana fans we were at the time, because yeah. we've said all this before. Um, even though that one we did on Nevermind was a special, because it didn't get to number one, but it, this one is a proper episode, because this was number one in the UK. Everyone I knew was anticipating this record. Oh, it was, it was huge. And we're talking about uh, September 1993. Yeah. Um, and... I think the single 
the first single came out in the summertime. It was like, oh, this is the first new stuff yeah. since Nevermind. And everyone was like, oh, I can't wait. Everyone Absolutely. I knew was, was really up for this. I mean, I can't remember if I told this story or not. I'm, I feel like I've told this story on the podcast before. So if I have, then yeah. bear with me. But I remember the first time at a little indie club, Mirage, uh, the switch, as yeah, it was, yeah. uh, the first time they played uh, Heart Shaped Box on the dance floor. Oh, yeah. Now, it just, as soon as the first chorus kicked in, it just kicked off. Oh, it's just instantly. kicked off. Just, uh, uh, just a hard, the harder pit than you've been at at most gigs you've ever been right. to. <laughs> yeah. And to this day, like my good friend Grant, he, like you, you know, I know Grant, Grant, he went down on the floor and caught uh, like a steel code cap boot to the face. And if you've ever seen Grant's eyebrow scar, mm-hmm. like his eyebrows split and he's got things there, that's that's what it was. It, it split, was, it was split his eyebrow, yeah. Uh, he wouldn't go, it, there was drinking to do, so he wouldn't go to the hospital. That's and I remember this guy that we hung out with, Paul Rowland, um, was there in like a check shirt and did like the most kind of the heroic thing that he did. We've all kind of gone at the toys, make you going, Grant, you should probably go to the hospital, man, whatever. We're like, we're like 16, 17. Yeah, sure. I haven't really got the wherewithal for that. And Paul just like magnificently ripped off the sleeve. <laughs> Right, of of his of his uh, lumberjack shirt and used it as a bandage. Oh, mate! Uh, and then he had to rip the other arm off so that he, oh, didn't, he didn't look like just, a twat. Just have one arm. That's brilliant. Yeah. So yeah, I just, yeah. Anyway, so that was that was that was my memory of that. That's but yeah, heroism. So, so look, if we're talking about if we're talking about where we were, we we know that we were big fans of this already. Well, indeed. And so, uh, quick recap: ninety three. I was. 18. I was 18 in 93, and this is September, so I had literally just gone to university as well. Um, so I'd moved away from home for the first time, and I was in a different place. And this was one of the first records I bought uh, whenever I was over in, yeah, yeah. in Luton. So, so over to what's Luton. interesting here, actually, mm-hmm. is we're kind of marking a point when... Everything up until now, you've been in Northern Ireland. Yes. And I've been in Luton. Yes, yes, And now yes. we're both we're in Luton. We're both in Luton at we're, this we're, point. Ge- yeah. We don't know each other yet, but geographically, we're closer. Uh, indeed. And I do remember this coming out. And I was obviously, like I've said, I was a big fan. If you want to know how big a fan, go and listen to the other episode. But I was a massive Nirvana fan. And I'd been anticipating this as soon as it was announced. Mm-hmm. I was there day one, the Monday it came out, or whatever it was, I bought this. Me and too. Straight, oh, straight onto the, the record player playing it over and over and over and getting into it. And so it was a big, big deal for me. One of the biggest records of the year for me, without a doubt. Oh, yeah. I mean, I you know, I, I was first day of purchase. And, you know, it, there was almost a fear of of being left out of the conversation. Yeah, sure. There was, you, like, you, wanted, you, you wanted to have an opinion on it day one. Oh, yeah, because you knew all your mates were going to be talking about it. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, I had tickets to see them. I think... Oh, yeah. I, think, I, think, I was trying to think if the tour was announced pre or post release but uh, I'm not sure. I, but I, I had to I mean I think it got rescheduled once and then you know indefinitely quite yeah. yeah um but yeah so I was ready for this man and I was so hyped off of Heartshape Box and mm-hmm. we you know I've you know fucking kind of blowing the cover on that a little bit yeah. but we'll talk about that when it comes around but the other thing the other flip side of this as well and I remember some of my friends were in this box but I do remember a lot of the press mm-hmm. were almost ready to point oh, because yeah, man. Uh, there was such obviously a huge ascent mm-hmm. with Nevermind and the British music press are known for loving to give a band a kicking if they get too popular. You know, they're like, oh, don't get fucking too complacent here. And so I remember a lot of people uh, being ready to dislike this no matter what it heard uh, or what it sounded oh, like as well. Oh, for sure, man. There was already that, oh, they've sold out shit. Precisely. And it's like you yeah. hadn't heard of them before this. There was a lot of people that had never heard of them talking about indie snob virtue signaling going on. Yeah, sure. 
But at the same time, you know, I was part of local bands at this point, and all of the bands, to a certain degree, were aping Nirvana. Oh, I see. You know, okay. The bands well, you that were playing, and people yeah. were playing songs that sounded like Nirvana songs. Right. You know, we were exactly the right age for it. We were, we were seventeen. Mm. You know, music was the most pivotal thing and you know they weren't my favorite band we've said this before they weren't my favorite band i right, had sure. other bands but you couldn't deny the size of them you know not at all anyway so yeah anyway so this album comes out yes indeed and it was it was number one it went straight to number one for only one week it was you know straight in because huge first day sales uh it was only one week september 19th it went to number one um then uh, after that, Meatloaf, who we just did, went back to number one for the first time. Yeah. He, yeah, we'll see that Meatloaf album come back and back again until the end of 1993. Yeah, it really repeats only that Meatloaf. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the album is a one-week wonder, but it was uh, such an impact. And that's, you know, I would totally expect that. Ne- you know, never mind, never made number sure. one. It was like got to number seventeen or something. Oh, ridiculous! I mean, we'll talk about some parts of this album. The fact that it was number one at it, all oh, is totally incredible. Yeah. Um, so, it, if you're listening to this podcast, I imagine you know about Nirvana in general. Just to go over, this is their third studio album. Obviously, they've had Incesticide as well, um, and then afterwards they would have the Unplugged. They would have the live stuff, but this is the third and last studio, studio album. album. Cobain originally he wanted to call it "I Hate Myself and Want to Die." Uh, mm-hmm. And then he wanted to call it verse, chorus, verse. Uh, they landed on in utero, uh, yeah. which apparently was uh, from a line, I think, from a Courtney Love poem yes, or something, indeed. a story yes, that she That's written. a story I read. Um, uh, it, this has sold over 15 million albums to date. So, it's you know, it's massive. But just in context, Nevermind has sold over 30 million. So sure. it's not the, uh, the, the, the behemoth that that was. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it could have been. I think whenever you look at it in terms of what could they do next. Yeah. Um, it would have been very difficult to top it. And as we'll find out, they deliberately didn't want to. They didn't want to do Nevermind Part 2, no matter how much the record company wanted that. And so for it to sell 15 million is still really massive. Exactly. And who knows what it would have done if they'd continued touring it. And if oh, the, it's very true. And, yeah. you know, if their cultural ascent had continued in the way it did. Or yeah. maybe the fact that he killed himself... Uh, and took on this 27 club legendary status. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that boosted their sales. Who knows? I, well, I think it I definitely did. I think in the week that he did kill himself, sales went silly on this and it went back up to number yeah. one in some places and that sort of stuff. But as we will see, one of the main things uh, was the production they did on this. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, the previous album had been not clean because it's still a grunge album, it's still a rock yeah. album. So we're not talking about a pop album, but. Uh, the Andy Wallace and Butch Vig production that had been on Nevermind, they wanted to kind of get away from that. And so yeah. they brought in Steve Albini. Yeah, I mean, Kurt, Kurt was never like that chuffed with how it sounded. Uh, yeah. And obviously some of his dissatisfaction rolled over, but, you know, the, the, kind of the success they had. And he you know, he wanted to put out an album that sounded like something he would listen to. Absolutely. They, they, yes. taught, they, they demoed with and the guy that produced Bleach. And he's on record as saying he was never really in the frame for the album because they yeah. were talking, like, debating whether they went with Steve Albini or not. Sure. Now, funnily, and I, I tell you what, mate, I mean, could you have a bigger con? I mean, actually, maybe, maybe, maybe not. Mm. But in terms of contrast between producers, between the last two records, yeah. Jim Steinman and, <laughs> uh, and Steve Albini. True. That is opposite ends of a spectrum. But, but, but is it, though? Or because do you think that Jim 
Steinman is a commercial shill, or do you think he's someone that's utterly passionate about the ridiculous thing that he does? Oh, I don't... Yeah, I imagine if someone told him to do something different, he'd tell him to fuck off. I yeah. get that, so there's definitely the mindset there. But he wants everything to be as big as possible and as overblown as possible. Yeah. Whereas Albini wants to go, all right, look, set up in the kitchen. Yeah. I'm going to stick some mics around here and we'll do it in two hours. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's two very different styles, but I bet you, fucking out of the heart of it, similar beasts. Maybe so. Maybe anyway. So. Um, okay, and- well, we're going to get hate mail for that. Probably from <laughs> Steve Albini. But yeah, uh, thing, like you say, he uh, Cobain wanted an album that sounded like the bands that he loved. He wanted to be able to go, right, this is, you know, the real me, or this is the sure. real Nirvana. And uh, Albini had produced two of uh, Kurt Cobain's favourite records, uh, Surfer Rosa by the Pixies and Pod by the Breeders. Mm-hmm. And so he's like, and also um, I think some of the PJ Harvey stuff, he's like, I really enjoyed the sound. Yeah, that. I think that was the story, wasn't it? It was like when he, when they expressed interest to do it, that's PJ Harvey, Rid of Me, was yeah. the album that uh, Albini sent to them to say, this is what, we, this is what the sound oh, like right, in my okay. rooms will yeah. be like. Get your head around. This D- is, this is what we'll do yeah right and, and that was yeah Cobain was like yeah fucking give me this that's fine uh, and some of it uh, the majority of it they were absolutely fine with there's a couple of times where they were like actually we, this needs a bit of a polish which we will see as we go through well yeah there was there was certainly some uh, certainly some interference probably on in that conversation wasn't there I think there was some but I think genuinely some of it was Cobain going actually no there's more of uh, a big pop tune in this that you're not letting out I want someone else to have a go. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. I think there's a. I think certainly, I, I would say Steve Albini possibly disagrees with you. Oh no, he has said very much that he thinks that some of the the songs on the album, the finished album, that are not what he wanted at all. Yeah, and I think his 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 feeling is that they were kind of talked into things a bit. And I think there's some debate about how much they pushed and how much. You know, kind of how much who wanted what, basically. I see, okay. But yeah, who knows, man? Who knows? You know, who who knows? The decisions were made. And you can't imagine anyone at Giffen really saying no to Kurt Cobain at this point. But maybe, but they're still kids, man. They're still kids. I don't know. Oh, they are. And there was, whenever they, um, because again, they they recorded this in two weeks with, with Albini. Yeah. And. The band had refused to send any ongoing demos to the record company. Yeah. They didn't want anything heard before it was yeah, well, done. They, they paid for them for themselves for that Absolutely. reason. Yeah. Indeed. And so afterwards, they sent the tapes to a couple of people at Geffen or whoever it was, the management company as well. And the feedback was really bad. The feedback yeah. was, oh, the bigwigs are not going to be happy with this. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of pushback to almost just scrap the whole thing and start again. Yeah. Because they were like, well, this is... Not never mind too. Mm-hmm. This is some unlistenable stuff in places. There's too much going on. There's too much noise. There's or there's not enough going on. Why don't you just start again? And Cobain yeah. was having to fight against that. Yeah. Um, so he he had to stand his corner for sure. It feels like at, at points that maybe they started to believe some of what they were being told as well. You know, because you know you, you're gonna you know in that position you're like oh fuck well, you know maybe oh. these guys know what they're doing. I don't know. Oh well, do, yeah, you're talking to people who have signed X amount of bands that you, you know have sold a million records. And you're going like oh these people probably must know the music business. But then I, I also read that. Uh, because then Cobain played some stuff to his friends and presumably friends in bands around the, yeah. the Seattle scene or whoever it was and they were uh, instrumental in going nah do not budge do not mm-hmm. but this is this is brilliant don't let anyone else tell you otherwise yeah. uh, don't cave in whatsoever so he didn't in that way uh, there is a lovely quote that I saw um, just in terms of record company management types uh, while recording the album that uh, Steve Albini he had a policy of 
totally ignoring anything that anybody said except for the band members. Yeah. So whoever was coming through the studio, he wouldn't take any notes from them. Uh, he was only listened to the, the three people in the band. Um, and he has said that everyone associated with Nirvana that he met at that point were, in quotes, the biggest pieces of shit I ever met. Nice. Because I imagine there were uh, there have been an awful lot of just proper parasites mm-hmm. who knew this was a big money band and were hanging out going, yeah, yeah, fucking, I, I was up in the studio with Nirvana and putting their oar in because they'd be cooked off their face and going, oh, you might want to turn the treble up or whatever it was. And I'll be just like, you dickheads yeah. so I, I do enjoy that he just like didn't take any shit from mm-hmm. them yeah but it was it was reco- the recording was uh, actually it was six days it was recorded in six days and then mixed in five days so it was like proper in punk rock to, yeah. uh, exactly which is what they wanted obviously he famously I mean yeah, most people will know the story but just in case you don't uh, Albini famously just took a flat fee yeah. Uh, on this record and refused the royalties. I, I think it was like $100,000 he took, yeah. uh, but would have been liable to at least $500,000 worth of additional if fees. If he taken whatever like, credit, yeah. No, that's, that's immoral. I that's won't what do he it. does, isn't it? Yeah. He, he, just, he never takes what they call points on records. He's just yeah. like, this is my fee, you pay it, and I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. And with some of the stories I've heard about Albini, sometimes he just sounds like a prick. Fair oh, enough. Yeah. But I do respect that, because the man could be a, a millionaire... More than he is, sure. Uh, if he had said, "All right, yeah, oh, okay, so oh, yeah," I mean, he was. I mean, a few years ago, he was fighting for the existence of his studio, wasn't right. he? For you so, know, you know, I do. I, I, I think that's that's a, a a decent ethic to have. Okay, so like we always start with uh, chatting about the uh, album cover. Yes, obviously, you know, you, you're going from one of the most recognisable album covers of all, all time, time yeah. all time in Nevermind, to this, and uh, you know w- what you've got here is you've got a. Uh, anatomical model with basically mm-hmm. you know kind of a clear thing so you can see uh or internal organs a little bit of blood structure kind of like a body works type yeah, yeah, absolutely, thing absolutely. Uh, where you've had these kind of wings transposed on it the angel wings yeah, yeah angel wings um and you know i think that central image is uh you know, it's, it's cool and it's it's striking it's not the same level of Iconic as the other one. I've no. always thought this fucking background colour was a strange choice. Oh, well, the kind of the yellowy well, cream. I, it's like 90s kitchen yellow, isn't it? Like, okay, if yeah. you went into anyone's kitchen in the 90s, that's the colour they'd painted their kitchen. Right. Uh, and it just never, I mean, I, I really like the back with the kind of the weird kind of Lots vaginal of- kind of montage that Kurt Cobain created. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very strange. Isn't it like some fetuses on here, bones. Uh, but it's all it's all pink and there's like flowers as well. So I'm guessing it's about weirdness and birth and life. It's got a very feminine energy. I think it's a spot. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anyway, what uh, do you think to it? I think because of what it is, it's become uh, a very recognisable piece of work and yeah. a very recognisable piece of art. And I'm going to say something that is entirely against because I am wearing the In Utero t-shirt as yeah. we speak. I'm wearing a t-shirt with that image on it. Mm-hmm. But I don't see In Utero t-shirts. No. You know, I, I see never mind T-shirts all the time. You don't see this image no. on T-shirts and uh, in, in in general around the place because it's not as well. Obviously, we've said it's not it wasn't as big a seller and uh, it not didn't make as big an impact on yeah. the world. But also, I think image wise, it is less of a oh fuck me, that's something you'll you'll remember or yeah. whatever. I mean, I guess the, the Nirvana t-shirt you see more than anything is like the kind of the smiley face. Oh, the, yeah, true. Yeah, which I also have as well. Yeah, of course yeah. you do. Uh, anyway, right, so let's, uh, let's let's crack straight into this then. I say okay. crack straight into it. We've been talking about fucking yeah. 40 minutes. <laughs> um, so the first track is called Serve the Servants. Right. 
Okay, Discord. Yeah. And we're off. We are. But right, so this is the first song that mm-hmm. you know, whenever okay, we've heard the single before, but we brought this album home mm-hmm. and this is the first thing you hear. And I was like, Alright, this is obviously different because it is, it's a bit off kilter. Yeah. It's not it sounds almost out of tune at times, yeah. yeah. And here comes, uh, you know, I mean, you know, like as well, like I should mention, how hard fucking Grohl is hitting that fucking kid yeah, in lovely. the background here. Lovely. Literally battering it. And like, Kurt comes in and he's kind of got that kind of plaintive, snarky thing. And he's got that weird thing where no matter how much he's trying to sound off, he kind of almost instinctively holds the tune oh, anyway. Oh, I see, right, yeah. But he, uh, is, he, he is trying to sound off again. He, he, he's, he's, he's like semitone sometimes out. Yeah, yeah, but you know, lyric lyrically, you know, I mean, uh, there, there's so much written about the lyrics in these, so much written about, uh-huh. you know, from Nirvana themselves. I never know how much of it's misdirection. I can only assess them in the way that I hear them. And you know, like that teenage angst has paid off well. It always just, you know, he said it's not about the success, but it seems very on the night. It seems like it can't really be about anything else other than that. Oh, no, you'd have to assume, yeah, the, the Teenage Angst has paid off well, now I'm bored and old. So, yeah, yeah he's, he's presumably saying, all right, you know, this. what I'm known for is this, uh, it, you know, on the Nevermind stuff where I'm, I'm having a whine or whatever, yeah. and I'm miserable and I'm, I'm being this negative guy. It's, that's paid off really well for me. Well, thanks, yeah. everyone, but it's, it's turning around going, yeah, but it, it's weird. This it, now, I, what what do I do now? Yeah, and there's more. You know, he's talking, you know, they're talking about his dad, and he's like, you know, yeah. I just, you know like, that, one of my favourite lyric deliveries on this whole album is that bit where he's just like, I don't, you know, just uh, you know, I don't want you to know that I don't hate you anymore. Oh, I see. Uh, there's right. Nothing, yeah. There's nothing. Uh, I just don't want to talk to you. Basically. Yeah. Exactly yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Don't and you know, hate you. The, the chorus has got that kind of payoff line, which is that uh, legendary draw, divorce is such a bore. Yeah. Which kind of refers to the fact that is that like the media were obsessed with the fact that his parents were divorced and Indeed. portraying him as this kind of broken child of That's divorce. That's why he's unhappy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As opposed to the fact that if you read any of his lyrics, he's obviously fucking been massively depressed and probably has some kind of neurodiversity. Oh, wait, I think he was diagnosed as bipolar. Yeah. yeah. So there's definitely, there's a lot going on that way. Um, but you're right, he, the lyrics, they have to be about these things. Yes, they're not, they maybe can be um, thought of in some other way as well, but realistically, this is a song about um, where he is right now, how, mm-hmm. he, how he's feeling, uh, how he thinks he's being treated by the media and the outsiders because of stuff you know it's, it's serve the servants he's like what am I doing you're supposed to be yeah. my fans and I'm now having to double think do is this what you want from me yeah and you know and you, know, and you go well who else are the servants you know like the kind of the, the people in the record company that he's that's supposed to work for him yeah. you know the people you know in the media that are yeah. you know that are supposed to kind of there to service that thing it's like well I'm serving everyone. No, oh, totally. And there's a lot in there about uh, you know fucking the music critics and people you know hating on him in, the, in that point as well. Like he's just had enough, yeah. And he wants to be able to say something back to them. And the stuff that he's saying about and stop fucking having a go at my wife. Stop being this absolute uh, predatory mass of media towards Courtney Love, mm-hmm. which there was so much shit t- talked about her at that time. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean, they they kind of totally yokoed her. Mm. Uh, and you know, ultimately, whatever your opinion on Courtney Love is, it was she was a woman in her early twenties 
with enormous mental health and fucking drug addiction problems. Yeah. And like to throw that level of scrutiny at people in those situations, things are really only going to ever end up one fucking way, aren't mm, they? Yeah. Know? I mean, for me as an album opener, it's a statement album opener. It couldn't be yeah. better. And, I, and it's tuned my ear into something different straight away gotcha. and you know I, I can't remember how what my first listen to it was because I, I, I can only really ever remember liking it okay yeah, uh, and yeah. I, I'm not I'm not sure if you know if it did take me that period of adjustment because if, if it did I've kind of lost that in time well, fair enough um and, you I know. have a feeling that the first time I listened to this uh, obviously some songs just gel instantly yeah and I think this one I was a little bit wary I was like okay right this is different because having been such a fan of the previous stuff um just for it to come in and, and almost like sweep away and go all right fuck your expectations i i know yeah. what you, you want i know what uh you casual fans want this is not what you're getting mm-hmm. you know whenever we talked about meatloaf last time the first song on that album it almost started with some uh little bits of bad out of hell it yeah. was kind of going it was beckoning the fans in going you're you're in a good place. Yeah, this is comfortable. Fine. Here you are. Yeah, exactly. Come on, in the water's fine. Uh, yeah. Uh, but for this one, this is definitely there's a like fucking you... shark. <laughs> exactly. Right. It's, 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 like you said, it's a statement one where you're going, all right. Yeah, this is not part two. Yeah. I, I mean, I guess I'm listening to heavier music by this time. Right. Uh, then I then I you know when I listen to never mind I was listening to Guns and Roses yeah yeah by the time I've come to this I'm listening to Helmet do you know what I mean sure okay yeah you know, so there is a and you know this has definitely got some of that amphetamine reptile that some of that mm-hmm. you know some of that Jesus Lizard obviously by that time they'd done the split single with Jesus indeed, Lizard yeah. um, and it's got some of that stuff so I'm kind of, I guess it was kind of bringing some of the stuff that I was listening to into it as well so I guess I'm feeling a bit more okay I kind of I have. I almost had more reference points for this album going uh-huh. into it than I did for Nevermind when I first heard it. Because Nevermind when I first heard it sounded almost revolutionary. Right, it was, sure. Because okay. it wasn't Guns N' Roses. Uh, yeah, yeah, fine. Yeah. Um, and in terms of that, then, you must have, whenever you, you listen to this and you hear other bands that you are listening to at that time... Uh, that Kurt is going, oh, right, you know, I'm also a fan of this. That yeah. must have been great for you because you're like, oh, this is still my band then. I, I'm not going to have to put this on the, on I mean, the back the, burner. The thing is as well, man, you've got to remember that in my little group of friends, right, mm. we were coming from different angles that like we had. Like my friend Ian, who would, who was really into the kind of that American art rock kind of thing, stuff driven by... Jane's Addiction, oh, yeah, like yeah. Rollins Band, and like kind of stuff like that, and you know, kind of makes Stu that's kind of bringing things like Primus into the equation. Mm. Uh, but then there was a core of us in the group, a core of other people in the group that were just religiously following what Kurt Cobain was doing and saying. And he'd mention bands, and then those bands would be in oh, our circle, of course. Yeah, so yeah. it was you'd you interview, know, and you go, oh, I really like such and such. You'd be like, all right, yeah. So it's a little bit snake eats tail, like almost no, like you know, he'd right. given us the homework to do. Before, I mean, Jesus Lizard is a perfect example of that. Exactly. Yeah, that. absolutely. Yeah, right. Exactly okay. That. that makes sense. But uh, yeah, yeah. I think this this song probably took me a few listens, or you know, a, a period of time to come round to go. Actually, yeah, that is great because I initially heard it and went, okay, that's fine. Uh, I'm not. Uh, it doesn't blow me away, but okay, I, I'll live with this. So I, I I think it is a great opening song because it does the things that it does. Yeah. Um, they could have opened, they could have put something like uh, Heart Shit Box as track one. Yeah. And 
again just gone this hey see nothing's nothing's changed yeah. it's fine they didn't they deliberately didn't and i think that's a really good idea i think mm-hmm. it's a very good decision i agree and then we go straight to track number two mm-hmm. which is called scentless apprentice oh listen to that oh mate bang this is so scentless. fucking tall man yeah ah it's hard uh, and again i remember thinking all right this is yeah this is what i want yeah man this is so abrasive. Like, i just remember hearing this and being like fuck yeah yeah man yeah, exactly. The drum intro, that guitar, that crunchy guitar. Uh, and then whenever his vocal comes in, which and it's, he's really going, he's screaming. screaming. And his lyrics, man. M- most babies smell like butter. His, his smell smells like no other. He was born senseless and scentless. Yeah. Uh, and that is right. Because we've we, we talked so many times about me and lyrics yeah. I, I don't generally listen along to lyrics as much as you do for example so I hadn't even investigated what the proper I hadn't thought about what the lyrics were on this yeah. but I, I did for this and it's fucking mad it's, it's about a book sure but let's you know like before like, you know 100% it's, it's about they made a film out of it yeah. kind of perfume but before you even kind of get in to what the actual meaning is what is clear the way that you know because obviously he, 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 he's basing it on a story yeah but he's the phrasing and the, the word choices are his own sure and what it shows more than anything is it's just a fucking someone with a kind of sense of humor and a sense because even though it's, it's being delivered in the way it is and even though it's on a serious subject there is a sense of fun in the wordplay. Okay, right. You know, like that. that you know, he, you know, he was born senseless and scentless. He was born a scentless apprentice. That's such a beautiful, fun, you know, kind he of. He like bit. playing with words. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Definitely does. And you kind of people, you know, lose that. And this is, you know, uh, this is such an angsty album in so many ways. Such a heavy, brutal album with such dark sure. themes in it that it is. You kind of forget how fucking funny Kurt Cobain was. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And it, also in terms of just the lyrics in general on this album um, they are different whenever they recorded Bleach you know that was all very um, you know that was angry young man Uh, whenever they recorded Nevermind and we talked about this a bit whenever we did our episode a lot of that was kind of stuff from journals he had kept and poems he'd written and he did some some of the bits where you know cutting up lines and uh, just throwing them down and seeing what happened so it was a bit more artsy in that way this one a lot of the songs are Deliberately, this is. I want to make a point. I want yeah. to uh, say this in this song. It's mm-hmm. a personal thing. But then he's also got a couple like this where he went, okay, yeah, this is about a book I read, which is fucking brilliant. I'm gonna sing about this. Yeah. And it, but it is sounds brilliant. It sounds so good. This is proper. You know, you can shout along to this in a club. I mean, look, it's unrelenting. It batters you from oh, start to finish. Yeah. You know, when it drops into these like, I mean. Yeah, it kicks you hard in the chest, man. Yeah. I say it's, it's inspired by, yeah, that that, that book Perfume. Yeah. And, and you know that's a great thing about it. It's like it's a guy that was consuming art, taking things in, and then kind of just throwing it back out, so taking what he took and throwing it back. Yeah. Oh, I think this is fucking perfection. I love this. This is brilliant. I love it so brilliant. much. Uh, okay, here's a question. Uh, before doing this the, the, for the podcast, listening to it for the podcast, when was the last time you listened to this album in full? I mean. I don't know. I, I, I'd like to say it wasn't that long ago. I feel yeah. like it wasn't that long ago, but I tend. I, I, the reason I bought my, the reason I bought a vinyl uh, record player uh, a few years back was specifically to listen to albums. Sure. And like since my daughter's been born, I've taken down my 
my my kind of my speaker set because I've got big heavy speakers. Oh and right, okay. Fucking yeah, pull yeah. over, and, and so I, I haven't. My record player is not set up, so I'm not listening. I mean, I bought this on vinyl. Uh, so I'm not listening to to albums in the same way that I used to. I kind of I'm sure. more of a playlist guy. Oh, I I absolutely am. Yeah, uh, and I you know I keep being like I fucking need to get back into more albums, mm. uh, but you know it's time and being a. Oh, it's time. The amount of stuff that we have to listen for to the, for this, you know, when you're listening to uh, a simply red album eight times in a week because you know you're going to yeah. do something, you don't have time to listen to lots of other albums sometimes. Yeah, I mean this is the thing. It's like you know, like I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm out with. You know, I met up with Stephen Hill when we did went to the Deftones gig. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you know, he kind of mentioned a few albums to me, and I was just and in the back of my mind, I was just thinking, oh, I fucking could have listened to that instead of like the eighth listen to fucking Cliff Richard. But yeah, indeed, but then we wouldn't have this art <laughs> exactly because that's yeah. that Kurt Cobain listened to his art and put it out there, <laughs> yeah. and that is very much what I'm doing. There you I, go. The, the voice of my generation. Uh huh. I have not listened to this album in full in a good long time. In my head, I'm like, oh, I know this straight through. Mm. You know, I know this A to B. Every single bit of it, no no problems. But I did quite often find when I was listening to through that there would be a song when I I'd forgotten I'd forgotten this bit of this or I'd forgotten this was on here. And this was one of the ones I went, Oh fuck. As soon as it started, of course I'm like, Oh shit, this one. But I've not heard this in a couple of years. Oh, I love this. This is now this is Terrific. this is this has always been an album highlight for me. Right. This see. has always been like if you if you were like, What are the, your favourite songs on this, this would be it one of the be first work. ones I came up with. I see. But I, I okay. did have a couple of those moments on here when I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where I kind of remember it in context of the album, but I couldn't remember where the song was. Right. And the funny thing is, I think that actually holds true of this album. You know, there, there are some songs on here where I'm like, oh, yeah, it's fine as a song. But actually, without a few of the moments within that song, mm-hmm. the album isn't the same. Okay. So, like, you know, like, whereas if you've got a, an album of singles, like, for example, Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. Okay, yeah, like, sure. And you're like, that's remarkable because each one of those songs in its own right is remarkable. It is, right? is a worldwide hit, yeah. 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 Um, but you could listen to that as a greatest hit, so you could, you know, it's... Sure. It's, you know, Thriller. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's There are songs on there you're like, ah, oh, you know what, you'd probably leave it. And right. It, you know, it wouldn't be the same... But this, I don't think you can lose any of the songs without changing the tone of the album. Yeah, you're right. Losing anything would definitely change the the overview. Yeah. Obviously, we're talking from a point of view of having listened to this a, a lot, lot for over the past 30 years, and so we're very used to how it runs. But yeah. I think, yeah, if you took, you know, two of the more abrasive songs out or two of the slower ones out, it would change the whole face of it. But even, but do you know what? Like, It's even songs where I'm like, if this album didn't have that moment mm-hmm. in it, it wouldn't be the same album. Like just stupid little. I mentioned earlier that little bit of vocal delivery, that thing about his yeah, dad. sure, yeah. There's just something about that that stands out to me. And there's bits in other. Well, I'll get to them as we as we mm. go through. But yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, love no, this song. Um, the only other thing I've got about this one is that this is the only song on the album that's got writing credits for all three of the band. Oh, okay. Because uh, apparently, uh, I think it was based off a guitar riff that Grohl came up with, mm-hmm. and so. Then uh, it became a, a sort of a jam, and uh, Chris Novoselic also had input into this one. Yeah. All the rest of the songs on here are just Kirk, Kirk Cobain. Cobain. This is sure. the one that's all three. Cool. Mm. All right. Well, let's uh, let's do track three. This is Heart Shape Box. Okay. Big lead single. Exactly. This was the the first taster that any of us really had of this new. Album. And you can hear already. This is a glossier mix. Well, totally. This is the track where they. This isn't a Steve Albini mix. 
No, this is one of the ones where, uh, well, like it, whether it was the band or whether it was the record company said, there's more, t- we can bring something more out of this or we can tamp something down in it. And they got Scott Litt in to, yeah. to uh, remix it. And I'll be honest with you, I, uh, like, the punk rock purist in me and, you know, the massive fan of Steve Albini in me. Yeah. Oh yeah, I went back because obviously this quite easily available now. That oh yeah, the, the deluxe version of this has got. And I listened to it a, a, a load of times, and I was trying to uh, trying to have the argument with myself whether it had been better, okay, left or not. And I, I don't know. It's it's impossible to divorce. So I've lived with this version exactly. For this so is long. the one you know, yeah. And I, I know it's you know kind of sucking the corporate cock a little bit more maybe sure but I do prefer this version oh yeah but this is more MTV friendly and all yeah. that sort of business but I think this is fucking glorious yeah you know this is, this is like classic classic Nirvana it's got the quiet loud all that yeah. sort of stuff I mean the, the riff in it is beautiful I mean this is many people's favourite Nirvana song right sure yeah uh, it's one of my favourite Nirvana songs it's, it's wonderful I mean it's great absolutely I mean, wonderful I mean, f- I mean you know I mean it's ostensibly uh, to all intents and purposes about Courtney loves vagina. Apparently so. Well, I mean, she's claimed that. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, she's also you, uh, she also claimed that she invented the raccoon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but you know, I, I mean, whatever, whatever it is, it is you know, you can't, no one can deny that. Throw down your umbilical noose so I can climb right back is one of the greatest That's fucking lyrics. Brilliant. Certainly, yeah. I, I would say one of the best lyrics to ever be on a number one album. And, and yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And this was a number five single when it came yeah. out as well. Um, but the, the lyric, the other lyrics and stuff like. You know, it is, I've been locked inside your heart-shaped box for weeks. And whether yeah. that is about Corey Loves Fanny or yeah. whether that is about uh, being locked inside. It, I take it as, all right, someone that you're with is kind of more emphatically into you mm-hmm. than you are into them. But you don't want to hurt them. So you're like, oh, I can't I can't just say, let's leave this or I can't get out of it. It's, it's like, I, okay, I'm, I'm trapped inside this relationship box. Well, I mean, I don't even know if it's... If it's that, it's uh, yes. I think that's part of it. But I've always kind of read it, you know, because it's got that magnet tar pit trap, mm-hmm. that thing where it's this enticing, comfortable thing that oh, I see. you love, but you're ultimately aware might not be in your best interests. Ah, right. And no matter how, much, if you even try and get away, you're like, actually, I'll just yeah. come back. And you know, you you know, and the the fact the use of the word tar in there as well, you're like, I mean, you've got a fucking heroin association. Of course. You've got you know, Courtney Loves Vagina. Yeah, exactly, yeah. which is tarry. <laughs> so Atari STI. Hey. Anyway, um no, I am I'm, I'm not gonna get into fucking Courtney Love bashing in this fucking nah, no, podcast. No, no, no. We'll leave that. Um but, but look, man. And, th- uh, the other lyric, the the big one is the, I wish I could eat your cancer when you turn black. Yeah. Which you know, you'll, one of those the common things you will read about that is it's just such a weird and bizarre way to say I love you, yeah, and I hope you're okay, yeah. But to say that I'll take this suffering, I, I wish I could eat your cancer, yeah. fuck it out. But it's also you know that's also there's something in this relationship, like you know, there's moments of fucking beauty in this relationship. Yeah. But there's this thing, you turn black, maybe that's an addiction thing. Maybe there's this side of this maybe. fucking personality, yeah. and I wish I could fucking eat it. I wish I could take this away from you. Yeah, yeah. And then this thing would be perfect. But this it, 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 this has always felt like to me like a, a very aware uh, dissection of a doomed relationship. Oh, absolutely. That's what it, that's yeah, a, yeah. I mean, who knows? Cleverer minds than I have fucking put their head to it. But that's that's... 
you know, a, a song speaks to you in a certain way and you kind of get your own opinion of what it's about. And sure. you know, it, maybe it doesn't hold up to scrutiny when you kind of put it against, but that's always the imagery that's that I've, I've had. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, look, it's fragile and it's clever and it's powerful. And it's, it's got these hooks in it that most mainstream writers will just fucking pray they oh, could write. Mate. And even it's when, so catchy. You know, it, when he's on the fucking tip trying to do the antithesis of his commercial record he's got you know track on his album called mm-hmm. you know, radio friendly unit shift yeah. you know they're absolutely not trying to but he cannot fucking help it he just communicates so well the same mm-hmm. he did that he just spoke to other people you know yeah he's, he's just written this catchy banger yeah it's like a little velvet glove stuffed with razor blades i've yeah, written here lovely like a prick lovely but it's for me it's almost a perfect song it's heartbreakingly good it it it, it, it feels like it kind of connects on like just some kind of subliminal level. So we're almost your predator, you know, like there's a fucking pheromone in the air where I have to like it. Oh, I see. It's, okay. It's that, well, what? there uh, for this one, and again, I, I assume this is probably why they chose it as the first single as well. There are lots of bits of this that remind you of Nevermind. Yeah. Era Nirvana. Hey, wait, that, that's very reminiscent of stuff there. Um, it's got the cleaner sound to it that they had on that. So it definitely makes you think, Oh, right, yeah, this band. I remember how good this is. Uh, but like you say, then, the lyrics, it fucking is it's a kick. It takes but, your legs on. But the you. thing is, it's, you know, it's kind of almost night and day. It's got aspects that remind you of Nevermind, but I don't think there is as complete a piece of songwriting on Nevermind as this song. It's, oh, right, okay. This is one of those songs, more than anything, and, you know, it kind of it, it, that makes me wonder what else he would have done. Oh, there, uh, I've got moments of like, uh, the exact same thought throughout this. You yeah. go, oh, th- this is a direction I wish I'd seen more of or uh, this feel or something like yeah. that. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, I, I, I love it. And this was a problem when I had this record because I didn't have the single Heart Shaped Box. Yeah. So the first time, you know, I loved Heart Shaped Box and I could, you know, back then you could hear it in a club, you could hear it. Sure on MTV when it was played you, you know you might catch it on the radio but so this is the first time I had this song mm-hmm. so because I love this song so much there's always that urge to skip forward two tracks and just listen to that oh, one oh I see right getting and then, straight you know, to it and then yeah, that one's played and the rest of the album plays so I think I actually neglected ah. the start of this album for quite a bit when it kicked off interesting I was, I was okay like, I was like yeah no that's, that's that definitely seems sounds right that sounds like uh, something maybe so okay alright fair enough uh, just a little bit of trivia. This was the last song that Kurt Cobain performed live with Nirvana. Oh, wow. Well, uh, okay. Their last gig on March the 1st, 1994 in Munich in Germany. This was the song they finished on. So this was the last song that they played ever as a band. Shit. Yeah. That's a good one to go out on, but yeah, what yeah. a fucking shame. Who was the video? Is it Milos Forman, the video? Or who uh, was the video? Oh, no. Wasn't it um, Corbin? Wasn't it Anton Corbin? Yeah, Anton Corbin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I've just had a hello balls hope all is well please could you bring the cat litter in from the car needs changing real bad that's oh well welcome okay well, reality coming that's that's my that's my <laughs> wife Jenny uh, she said to say hello to everyone and thanks for the nice feedback oh bless her from last week yeah no that, that very that was a great episode that we had with her yeah so now track four is the somewhat contentiously at the time somewhat yeah rape me I remember there being a lot of furore around this oh there the absolutely time. was yeah. Speaking of things that remind you of Nevermind. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. it's a teen spirit. Yeah. It's just, it's, that's yeah. the teen spirit intro. But, but this is kind of downbeat mm-hmm. and repetitive. you got like the um, like epitome of ultra angsty lyrics on this one. Sure, yeah. And well, also, he's, he's 
it's a deliberate thing, I think, that he's made it sound like Team Spirit, yeah. but he's also made it the most controversial lyrically because yeah. he's just saying rape me over and over. So he's like, oh, yeah, here's a song that you're all going to like, but mm-hmm. guess what? This is what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. It's, yeah, I mean, you know, like if you listen to that fucking that drum fill mm-hmm. and the sound on that, there's no... You know, there's no mistaking this trying to. Oh, it's 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 emulating. And you know, you know, it's obviously it was quite controversial. But, you know, uh, uh, I mean, fucking imagine trying to do it now. But a, a mm. man talking about like a you know what is essentially such a fucking potent issue that affects mainly women. Of but course. Don't, if you don't, men's right activists don't tell me that fucking. No. I don't I, like, I, yes I know I've read the statistics but it's not the fucking same yeah. man yeah he did he got an awful lot of shit for A naming a song Rape Me mm-hmm. and then saying Rape Me throughout the song yeah um, but he was uh, even back then he was known as uh, a feminist ally and he was he'd written songs like Polly about yeah. rape from the point of view of a victim and it was an anti-rape song in the same way that this is as well yeah and I, th- I think you know the, the criticism was levelled at him was that it was heavy handed and yeah. ill considered and triggering and all those oh, kind yeah, of things yeah. uh, but you know it's, it's weird because you view it through a kind of a your middle aged lens right and it does it does feel a little juvenile sure right but it does also tap into those kind of utterly bleak feelings of depression it taps into it yeah. in a really I, I think about how much I related to this song when it came out and just that feeling of just like, oh, the world's going to fuck me. Oh, okay, uh, right. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure, and this is me looking back 30 years as well, and I'm not sure, but I think that I was a bit snobby about this one at the, mm. uh, at the time. And I was like, oh, right, it is, he's doing Teen Spirit again and he's been deliberately controversial uh, saying these things, which, you know, whenever I look back as well, fucking hell, mate, I know the jokes I was telling when I was 18 and being deliberately yeah. controversial was my raison d'etre. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think I was a little bit snobby and it took me a while to come around to it. Um, I never really thought about it in terms of, oh, it's okay because it's an anti-rape song. What he's saying is, oh, yeah, fucking go ahead, rape me, do your worst, I'm going to come back and I'm going to fuck you up. So I never even thought of it as, as that which is what he says it's, it is. But I it did come round to it because I was eventually like, oh, this is just really fucking catchy. The thing why I think so I gave him a pass, one was probably because I was young and didn't possibly understand the nuance of mm-hmm. it. But two, because he sounds like he's in so much fucking pain. Oh, mate, this he just one... just sounds fucking... By the end of this song, he's screaming. Yeah, it's like, oh, dude, dude sounds like he means it. I fucking... Yeah. This is the thing that, I don't know, I kind of have a problem with modern culture with in general we we want to pick out an issue and uh eviscerate someone on the specifics and wording of something out of context Mm -hmm. without looking at the bigger picture of everything else they've done that's not to say oh you know you've done loads of good you do one thing uh you can just get away with that oh you get get but you know i fucking god let me know i'm not trying to make the fucking council culture but we do need to be better as people at just trying to use common sense in going oh no this sounds off this doesn't sound like it's right rather than this person we've liked all the time said this thing um, these other people have done this thing that's wrong, so this guy must have done it too. Right, okay. Uh, this guy must have done this too. And it's, you know, when you kind of create the society where the paper is so fucking dry and ready to be lit by oh, a right. spark, yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- there is some inevitable collateral damage to people that don't fucking deserve it. When I kind of think about art and a them and us 
kind of point of view. I always felt like the us were the fucking free, like, you know, the people that uh, were open-minded and thought things through, not the people that want to be outside your house with a pitchfork. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, you know, maybe things have changed and maybe I'm ar- ar- archaic and maybe I'm fucking, you know, maybe I've just been well served by life working in my favour because I'm a fucking middle-aged white guy. Yeah, but, sure. Yeah, anyway, this, uh, this, kind of, this kind of brings that up and I think it, okay. to me it illustrates it a little bit. But anyway, yeah, very serious. Uh, yeah, indeed, yeah. Got any cock jokes? Plenty, but probably yeah, best for, not for to, if I'm honest. No, 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 not right now. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe a fucking minute. I think we've just seen why perhaps I'm not the right person to be having this conversation. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I really like this. Oh, I do. I think it's absolutely brilliant. But a, a, a lot of it is because I think it is just a really good song. Um, I, I Now I see what he's going to do with the lyrics, and I, I get it as like this, um, a very violent the imagery, but he's saying, "All right, you, you still, no matter what you do, I'm you won't beat me," which is yeah, fucking great. Uh, but in in general, for me, what I took it as was just like a really good tune. I mean, I mean, it is also the uh, plot of the uh, exploitation film I spit on your grave. Oh, totally, yeah. But uh, which is probably not the best round of that. <laughs> but I don't know, man. I mean, like, I would, what I will say is. On early rotation this album, this mm. was one of my favourites because it's so catchy. Oh, it's so catchy, and he sounds so into it, and it's great. I uh, it. But I think there's there's so much more on this album that now it's right. No, now I wouldn't put this in. Yeah, it, it's, probably top four tracks it's on the record. In the same way as Teen Spirit is instantly catchy, yeah. but you listen to Nevermind and you're like, oh, actually, something in the way is much better. Or yeah. Something like that. Yeah, that, that, that is a lot of surface brilliance, but you don't have to dig very deep with it at all. Much like my bogeys. Just, just there. Just there. Mm. Right. Yeah. Do you want to see one? No. Okay. Let's do the albums. Indeed. Okay, so the week that I'm looking at uh, is the week of the 19th to 25th of September, mm-hmm. which is the week that In Utero was number one. We will also look at some albums that were released the following week, because that's, like I say, whenever Meatloaf went back to number one. So we've got a couple of uh, weeks we can talk about. But the, the top ten this week, and I mean, the, number ten, Kenny Thomas with Wait For Me. I mean, I won't. No, absolutely not. I remember him being a thing, but it was like one of the worst ideas that a record executive had at that yeah. point. Really bad. Uh, number nine is Mike Oldfield with Elements, which is a best of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, not for me. But no, I think uh, if you want to hear our views on Mike Oldfield, listen to our Mike Oldfield episode. Yeah, really. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> number eight is Mariah Carey's Music Box, which we've done. Number seven is UB40's Promises and Lies, which we have done. And then number six, five, and four are... Prince with the hits two, the hits one, and the hits stroke the B sides. Yeah, I mean, literally one of the greatest, greatest hits albums ever produced. Well, three of them, it turns out. Yeah. They were all released separately, I guess, yeah. so that they could all chart separately. I've got, I've got them as a jewel case CD. Like a box set. Yeah, of. yeah. I see. Well, yeah, so the three of the top ten are Prince's greatest hits albums. I mean, that, like, literally, if you told me I could only have five records from my record collection for the rest of my life. Yeah. That would be one of them. Wow. Okay. And it might be. I mean, it, and if if they said, "Oh no, that's three, uh, I'd be like, "Yeah, yeah fair enough." Okay. I'll give, give me that in a couple of tours. And so I'll be even fine. Right, because I'm guessing, right? You got the hits one, you got the hits two, and then you got the hits stroke the B sides. Yeah. So hits one is presumably early period. 
Or is it the biggest hits? I can't, then I, hits you know what, I, off the top of my head, because whenever I've listened to it in recent years, mm. I've listened to it on Spotify rather oh, okay. than on CD. I can't remember. I don't think it's. I don't think it is chronological. Oh, I see. Um, let me just see. Well, in that case, I do not understand the placings because I understand that the hits two is one place lower than the hits one. I get that. Yeah. Because either it's the early classic period prints followed by later, or it's the biggest hits followed by the lesser hits. But I then don't understand why above both of those is the one that's called the hits stroke the B sides because. Surely that's the one where you're going. Oh well, yeah, that's that's album number three. Um, I think pass. hits the B sides. Uh, I think had unreleased stuff on it. Oh, so collectors were more fervent. Yeah. That would make sense. Prince fans are gonna yeah. go ape shit for that sort mm-hmm. of business and still do. Okay, well that's number six, five, and four. Number three is Paul Weller's Wildwood, which we talked about last week a little bit. And uh, number two is Meat Loaf's Battle of Hell Two: Colon Back into Hell, which nice. uh, we've. Uh, it was our last episode, and it's done actually really well. We got a lot, lot of really nice feedback on that from everyone, um, and and quite a few people saying, "Oh, mate, Dave's wife was brilliant on that." So, actually, making, don't, let's 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 not, let's not big her up too much. Christ, you don't want to get a big head, man. She's fucking great. She's uh, yeah, well, she's, not, she's it was right. great, but yeah, let's not uh, praise her over us too much. Yeah. Uh, but okay, here's a couple of more albums that were released in the two weeks of uh, the end of September. Uh, Curve released Cuckoo, got to number 23. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember enjoying Curve quite a lot back then. They had a, a very dis- sort of distinct sound. They were this dark, moody, yeah. a little bit uh, dance oriented at times. They had the, the, the kind of indie drum beat behind them. But I, it was I, totally I, I saw Curve like maybe 96 or something like okay, that. Okay, sure. When, yeah. when it kind of came back. Oh, I think they were going a little bit more breakbeat at that point as well. Because yeah. Big Beat was a thing and they, they incorporated more dance elements in at that point. But yeah, this is uh, an earlier one than that. Because they started off a little bit sort of shoegazy. Yeah. But then had some They're one of those bands that the goths always fucking loved. Oh, totally, totally. Uh, the Cure, speaking of goths, released an album called Show, which was a live album, uh, got to number 29. Nice. Uh, the Revolting Cox released Linger Fickin' Good, which actually got to number 39. That was a top 40 album. Fucking hell, man. What, what's going on there? I don't understand that. Oh, I love a bit of Owl, man. Oh, sure, but it's just mental that that got into top 40. Yeah. I wonder, did they have to read that out on the Radio 1 album rundown? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Mr. Big got to number 61 with Bump Ahead, which I... No, don't, I don't remember care. at all. The Melvins released Houdini. Oh, that was the biggest record. One of the, uh, I think that was, I've got a note that that was their fifth album. And it's yeah. 93. They just... well, yeah, I mean, they put, I mean, they put three albums out in Atlantic, didn't they? Which were like their kind yeah. of commercial records. Uh, and then everything else has basically been on other labels. Right, I see. Well, this was, this was September 93. Houdini, Houdini. Stag and something else. I yeah. can't remember what the other one is. We'll get told in the, in the comments, I'm sure. Bad Religion released Recipe for Hate. Great record. Which was their seventh album at this mm-hmm. point. And again, this, I don't remember them. I, I remember them in 93, but I don't remember that being their seventh album. I don't remember really yeah, knowing I mean, them the, at all before. The, the thing is, they were just existing in that in that underground, you know. Yeah. If, you, if, you were, if you were watching skate videos, you would be hearing... I see. You would be hearing uh, Bad Religion. I see. KRS-One released Return of the Boom Bap. Return of the Boom Bap is not a bad album. 93, It's yeah. got some good stuff on it. Yeah. It, it's, got fuck, it's got Sound of the Police on it. I think it? it is. I think yeah, it's, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. era. And uh, uh, has it got, um, I'm a blunt getting smoked, turn a grand good That one. I'm not sure. The one that was, where it's the, the analogy is he's a joint and he's being passed around all these different rappers that he likes. Oh, right. No, I don't know. I don't know. have a look. It might be on that. I can't remember. It might be. It's either on that or I got next, but hang on a minute. Okay. Let, me, let me just check that just for fact check it sure. for the fucking podcast. Um, yeah, I can't wake up. 
Is that what it is? It's a really fucking silly song. Okay. He's he's dreaming that he's a that he's a joint based or a blunt that's being passed around all of his all of his fucking rappers that he's friends. So it's it's his way of like name checking all of his fr- oh, rapper his friends. Yeah, yeah. And what's it called again? It's called I Can't Wake Up. Can't Wake Up. All right. Fair enough. But yeah, I mean, like th- th- this was out that period actually where it, it kind of felt like if you were a hip hop head, it felt like common knowledge to you that the world hadn't recognised and it was ridiculous that everyone fucking knew that KRS-One was the best Oh, okay, sure, yeah. No, no, I mean, one no matter how many than... times he told you, because yeah. he did he did said a lot. Oh, yeah, he fucking did, but he fucking was. He was, he was unstoppable at this point. Yeah. Unstoppable, you know. Like, who, who could touch him? Like, Buster, maybe? In 93, but Buster was only just coming through. Yeah, Lords of the Underground mm. and stuff. Um, I mean, Chuck D, I suppose. Yeah. But, uh, but, uh, but not for wordplay. No, but, you know, Ch- Chuck D's... Venom. All... Chuck D was always a lyricist and he had a particular delivery and loved his voice but yeah. KRS was on a fucking different level in terms of where he placed words where he put shit sure. around you know anyway sure. uh, Diggable Planets released Reaching uh, a new refutation of time and space mm-hmm. uh, which was their only album as far as I'm concerned no, I know as far as I'm concerned that's like that's where they peaked isn't it no no Blowout Crimes the next record and it's fucking great is it alright but yeah, so that was uh, 93 anyway. Yeah, Blowout Crime's 94. Yeah, Reaching's 93. Okay, yeah. right, okay. Uh, but again, that was the first I heard of them whenever they... Someone with nickel bags on it and stuff. Um, it's the one with uh, Cool Like That. I, I fucking love both of those records. I really yeah. love Diggable Planets. But, it was, but I always had them on tapes, so I've kind of never bought them and... Oh, I see. And so I, yeah, nickel, yeah, nickel Bags is on Reaching. Nickel Bags okay. is a fucking brilliant track. Gotcha, yeah. fair enough. Uh, Anal Cunt. Released yeah. the Morbid Florist EP, yeah, which sounds brilliant, but I can pretty <laughs> yeah, much imagine yeah. what it sounds like. I mean, I can as well. Yeah. You wanna, uh, do you want to get into Flora? Into Flora? Yeah. <laughs> God's sake. <laughs> uh, and then the last one I've got is Souls of Mischief with 93 Till Infinity. That is one of my favourite hip-hop albums oh, right, yeah. of all time. Yeah. Oh, I, you, you often talk about that as being just brilliant. It's an absolutely seminal record, right. man. It is... Uh, you know, it, it's a group of MCs, all of whom are utterly skilled at what they do, coming together in a complimentary way. Um, they, they, they were, you know, just this underrated, you know, obviously part of the Hieroglyphics group. Hieroglyphics kind of went on, carried on doing underground hip-hop for a long time after that. I think, I think the collective still exists. We can contain people like Dale the Funky Homo Okay, sure, yeah, yeah. But... I mean, just fucking, just great MCs, you know, great, great MCs on top of their fucking game, man. Brilliant. Should have been much, much bigger than they were. Right, yeah. Um, yeah. Because it, it, they're, they're not talked about in the same way as a lot of uh, other bands from this time. I guess are. not, yeah. And I think they should be. I mean, you know, like, you know, Jurassic, the, the, the idea that Jurassic 5 are bigger than Souls of Mischief is kind of crazy to me. I see. Not that I'm de- dissing Jurassic oh, 5, Jeff, but it's like, you know, sure. you know, Souls of Mischief hieroglyphics. It's, well, it's like they were a blueprint then. Yeah, for yeah that. exactly. That's what I was looking for. Yeah, so they are the blueprint for it. Right, without sure. them, without one, there is not the other. Gotcha. Um, and yeah, I, I mean, like 90, 93 to infinity, the track itself, you know, gets a lot of love. It's, it's, oh, quite, that, it's kind of grown. You can, you can hear that at your classic hip hop night still. That I mean, that's one of the best summer songs of all time. Mm-hmm. There's no, nothing makes me feel more summery than that track, man. Lovely. What a fucking track it is. It's anyway. a biggie. It's, it's a proper hip-hop classic. Yeah, okay, well, there you go. There's a, that's a pretty good <sighs> two weeks for some album releases there. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, fucking hell. So, oh, what a record that is, though, 93 to infinity. Yeah. I'm going to listen to that on the way home. Oh, lovely stuff. There we go. Uh, okay, but yeah, that's all I've got. So let's get back into Nirvana. <laughs> 
the next one is track number five, and it's Francis Farmer will have her revenge on Seattle. Low slung bass. And this was one of the ones that I had almost forgotten about. Yeah. A big fucking open chord and that kind of mm-hmm. almost half-timey yes, beat. The interesting thing here is they're playing with volume and pace as accents, aren't they? Okay, sure, so yeah. In this... Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, again, it's, you know, it's very raw, very mm-hmm. dissonant, like pretty much everything is. Uh, it's kind of about an actress. Yes, yes, indeed. So, uh, I guess a, quick, a recap for oh, about Frances Farmer herself. The, the kind of the pricey of it is that she was an actress uh, in the sort of 40s and 50s, I think it was. She was in various films. Um, she was, during the McCarthy stuff, labelled as a communist. Yeah. And because of that, then she was also, uh, people accused her of erratic behaviour and she was sectioned against yeah. her will and put into psychiatric care, diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, whether yeah. she had it or not, who knows. But she was in the internet hospitals for absolutely years mm-hmm. against her will and... Uh, the, uh, reports came out afterwards that she was in there. She was beaten every day. She was raped. She was uh, poisoned in her food. Yeah. Um, she was like, drowned in ice baths. This sort of stuff. Absolute horrendous uh, treatment. And it just when it when you hear about that, and this was all be- basically because she was a woman. Yeah. Uh, and was quite a quite an outspoken woman, mm-hmm. and it took no shit. And that's what happens to you. You know, and it's fucking horrible. And so, yeah, Kurt Cobain read about this. He read a book about it when he was in high school. I'm imagining related to the outsiderness of it and the the, the anti-authority that she was. Yeah, and I think you know, I think you know, if you if you've been if you've been an outsider and you've been bullied, you kind of tend to you, you tend to see where bullies are, and uh-huh. you know, you kind of see the way the system is stacked against people. Yeah. Um, but look. On, you know that fucking lyric there that I miss the comfort in being sad it's yeah, a fucking yeah. great lyric mm-hmm. right? and the thing is this song itself is you know you've got this ex- as I say you've got this thing where they're kind of playing with the volume It's the song itself kind of shapeless but it's in that typical Nirvana way a classic Nirvana way it's just got this big chorus that kind of comes yeah. And this guitar it. solo and as well. Yeah, man. And it's, you know, guitar solo, it's kind of more of an instrumental break, isn't it? I guess, sure. In, but, you know, you just kind of fucking bang it up tempo and go nuts, which is the thing they always do. Yeah. You know, you can just see him, imagine how fucking mental they're going on the guitars. And this is, uh, this is almost what I was talking about before. This is one of those tracks that, like you say, you can't forget about. Mm-hmm. It's almost an incidental track compared to some of the other stuff we've been discussing. Yeah, yeah. But it provides so much texture that you pull this out of the record and it's not the same fucking record. No, I, I would agree with that. It's yeah. like you, you hear it's the, kind of the the, the the tempo changes, the kind of beat in it. It's just, I don't know, it drags you in, makes you feel a certain fucking kind of way, I guess. Sure. Um, and from the very second this started, even though I have forgotten about it and I haven't heard this in many years, mm. I was like, oh God, of course this song. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, it all comes flooding back instantly. And I'd just forgotten how good it is. I think this is an amazing song. I think this oh, is one of the best so far. It's absolutely fantastic. Um, it does all the things I want a Nirvana song to do without it being sounding like a parody, you know, or a pastiche. It's just fucking I agree. wonderful. It's just, this is the thing, like, you know, you're probably not going to... When I say incidental, I don't want to do it down. Mm. You, 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 you're in a club DJ and you're not going to play this track. Absolutely not. And someone says to you, oh, I don't really know a Nirvana. What, what would you recommend? Yeah. It's not going to be your first port of call. This is the this is the deep cut 
and it's and again I'm probably never going to pull this track out and listen to it individually sure, okay yeah but I'll listen to the fuck out of it in the context oh, of wonderful. this album yeah, yeah brilliant yeah and the, uh, there's another there's an allusion in here to witch trials which there was a I think it was a lyric before another one which again I can only assume is him got, uh, being protective of Courtney Love and going fucking stop it people yeah yeah it's, it, it's, so it's, it's very personal uh, even though it's about somebody else but it's about yeah, and, you, know, fits and, with you know, it kind of fits in with his relationship with his father and their, uh-huh. his, his relationship with their mother. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and then that song, with all of its fucking abrasiveness, goes straight into dumb. Okay, so if you're looking for a reference point, Nirvana reference, uh, like a Nevermind reference point, this is kind of the more poly-esque Very song. much so, yeah. Um, and... This is one of my, and has been, uh, is one of my favourite Nirvana songs. It's, beautiful. it's, it's perfect. It's, yeah, it's yeah. fucking, I don't know, it's simple, it's folky, it's kind of got this dreamy reflective quality to it. Yeah. And, like, again, there's just a moment, on, there's a moment in this where he just says, um, soothing brown, then all the music drops out and he just goes wake me up right uh, and it just fucking it's goosebumps fucking hair on back yeah. it's just like again it's that moment that moment isn't the album it's not the same album okay sure yeah uh, you know it, this feels like a drug song doesn't it uh, I mean, it, it's got the feel of it but it's I think it's more about I mean, it, again having just looked into it because of this um, it seems to be about people who uh, is almost jealous of them uh, that they yeah. can happily not worry about mm. the, the things he's worried about all the time, about state of the world or the, the bigger issues, or just himself and how he's going to face the next day. They'll just watch MTV, drink a beer, do their job, and be happy because they're he, they're dumb. Yeah. But they're not stupid. They're just dumb. They don't give a shit. Sure. But also, if you go back, I, I yeah, and that's obviously that's the kind of the story they've told. Yeah. Right? And I think absolutely that's, it, it tells that story on one level yeah. but let's go into the lyrics of it right you know yeah. we can hang out and cl- you know I've got something I can hang out on clouds all of this stuff right he's talking about I want to be like these people mm-hmm. I, that, that are dumb how do I make myself dumb yeah. how do I remove myself oh, exactly and, that's kill a, that. and that to me is the it's the drugs it's the, it's the, it's the heroin analogy it's the it's the, the, the weed in the head. it's those things that are you know the classic uh, removal for people with overactive fucking brains or Absolutely. neurodiverse brains brains that work in a different way they're the things you do to self-medicate to take yourself out of that situation yeah um, and that to me that, that's where you know that kind of uh, soothing burn wake me up the two stories kind of run in parallel where it's like yeah I'm jealous of these people but here's my life fucking superimposed it's like you know that guy's never going to be as on the nose in an interview as going, oh, that's fucking about drugs. Oh, no, no, fair enough, yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, to me, you know, whether that's, you know, whether you just apply that yourself over to it, it's just like everything makes sense in that context. You know, you know, maybe it's got nothing to do with it. Maybe that's none of the intention of where Oh, no, I agree but, that is in there as well. I think those are the people he's written it about and he's jealous of the mindset yeah. and he does he wishes he could do that because he cannot make himself happy he's not oh. ever been happy that he can remember oh, mate, but, I, I, I fucking I, I felt like that my fucking heart you know, as right. so I got fucking diagnosed ADHD in 42 yeah and I've gone through my entire life going what the fuck is wrong with me why well, I'm not like everybody else sure and that in itself was kind of freeing 
but it also comes with some territory where you're like, oh, fuck, this, is, this isn't going away. This isn't going to get fixed. Right, I see. Someday. Yeah. And I think it's funny. I love this song so much. It's so fucking tender that it pretty much rips my heart up every mm. time I hear this song. Oh, but it, that's the thing, because, yes, we're talking about the lyrics and the meaning behind it, uh, and there's a lot to, to take from that. But even if this was instrumental, yeah. you'd be like, oh, this is just a beautiful yeah, piece of music. Motherfucker could be singing in Welsh. Do you know totally. What I mean? Yeah. And again, I don't know if you're the same. I If someone says to me, oh, you know, Dumb by Nirvana, yeah. in my head, I will pretty much always uh, hear the unplugged version now. Yeah. That, I, that's the one I, I, I default to. It, yeah, it is. I, I don't think it's the biggest example of that. I think that's that's elsewhere on this record. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but it is for but yeah, I, I know what you mean. But the, the weird thing is, I mean, I, I didn't know the lyrics to this song for ages. I didn't, didn't read into it right, or anything yeah. like that. I just, I just knew how the song was. I mean, I thought the lyric was African Doll for quite a while. Amazing. Yeah, African Doll. Well, no, I do too. Yeah, yeah. Right, right there Brilliant. you go. Uh, yeah, because I, was, you know, I wasn't reading the fucking the lyric sheet or whatever. I was yeah, just yeah. listening to the song. But yeah, it's always made me feel a certain kind of way. Oh well, it's the melancholy. It's just it, yeah. that's what it is. Totally. You know, but yeah. also his voice on this it shows how beautiful a voice he has when he's not doing his strange screaming stuff. He's just got this sweet, smooth voice, mm-hmm. which uh, fits this sort of music beautifully as well. Yeah, yeah man. this is absolutely fantastic. And this was written. More at the time of Nevermind. Uh, it wasn't obviously recorded until a little bit later. But they were playing this live yeah. in 91, 92. Um, I, I would have seen them play this live at the Reading show in 92. I don't remember because I was a bit drunk. But it's in the DVD of it. So they were playing it on the show. Sure. Um, and I can see that it almost fits with... You look at About a Girl and you look at Polly. And mm-hmm. he's been doing this for a while. It's not a new thing that he's coming out with. But I can see that it's something he's got with him at all times, is he can just reach into his pocket and go, all right, now I'm going to, I've got this one as well. Mm-hmm. You know, fuck it, yeah, I'll do Sentence Apprentice and I'll do Serve the Servants, but I'm still doing this as well. Yeah, for sure. Beautiful. Uh, next track is called Very Ape. Right. And yeah, and yeah obviously, this, this one's kind of taken on a different memory now, isn't well, it? Yes, indeed. Yeah, yeah a.k.a. Oh, the one that Prodigy sampled, yeah, indeed. But I didn't know that for fucking years. So, like, literally till about probably the mid two thousands. Oh, I, I knew. T- it. I, I, knew d- I didn't. I, didn't I knew that. Place it. Soon. Did you? I didn't place it one bit. Which is yeah, because yeah, anyway. But yeah, it's, it's so, voodoo people anyway. Yeah. Um. Yeah. This is. If you were looking for one of the most typically Nirvana songs on the record, right? You'd probably point at this one, wouldn't you? Would you? I no, I don't think I would. I, Do you not? Again, this to me sounded more disjointed. And wonky. Oh, that's interesting. Than the stuff I was uh, oh, used I, to. Okay, I, I mean, I guess I can see it. To me, it kind of structurally, it's kind of. Da, 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 oh, da, 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 and when it gets to the chorus, when this is coming up, you know, this. Yes, that bit for sure. But yeah, again, you know, like this one, I would say this isn't one of my favourite tracks on this record. Right. But at the same time, Back into what I'm saying, the bit at the end where he's just fucking screaming uh-huh. out of the sky. Uh-huh. It's just like gonna, it's like one of the big moments on this record. I see. Okay. And like you know right. that, that bit to me is iconic. The rest of the song is, well, it's, you know, I like it. There's yeah. bits in it that I like. You know, I'm not. I have less to say about it than other songs on this record. Right, it speaks okay. to me less. But this bit, oh, this is. I think this is brilliant. And again, because I had. But if, whenever so, someone says, oh, you know, Very Ape, I just go, oh, the one with the Prodigy. Well, it's not even yeah. a sample. Probably recreated it, presumably mm-hmm. to avoid fees. Um, but uh, 
coming back to it, it was like, oh, I fucking love this song. Because it is, it's, it's under two minutes. It's just in, smack you in the face, yeah. out again. I, I think it's just brilliant. And maybe because I didn't get into it as quickly as some of the other ones, and I thought it was a bit more weird. Perhaps that is one of the reasons that I'm now going, oh, yeah, actually, I fucking love this because uh, it took me more work. To, 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 there was more in there for me to ferret out. Not that it's two minutes, there's not much to ferret out, but it took a, a bit longer to get into my brain. I can understand that. Yeah. But yeah, fucking love it anyway. Cool. Um, uh, we're at track number eight, uh, which is Milk It. Yeah. And this is even more kind of weird start. This is very off kilter. Yeah. It, it sounds like someone's a bit woozy and staggering around. It certainly does. But then this shit happens. Then the fucking buzzsaw guitars are bam. That drum. Ah. I'd forgotten again how good this is. Yeah, this is fucking. This is that kind of stock style. This has got a bit of a helmet feel to it. Sure. Really does. And because, as I said earlier, I don't really listen to lyrics. And here we are. We're almost in Sonic Youth territory. This is really out there, totally. Um. I'd not even looked at lyrics before uh, in, in any depth. Uh, you know, this was one, wasn't one that I uh, sang along to with the lyric sheet in my hand when I bought it. And so I was like, what the fuck is, is this all about? It is really weird stuff, this one. Um, the fact that the chorus is doll steak test meat. Mate. Like, brilliant. Mate, this is a number one record. Oh, man, that gets yeah. me. Oh, mate. When the drums cut out and come back in after yeah. that. Oh. This is just visceral, 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 man. So good. This is one of the f- biggest bands in the world. Yep. And they've put this out as a fucking... Yeah, they, they, exactly. This is their comeback. Listen to that, man. Bright side suicide. Yes. Lost eyesight, I'm on your side. Wing, left wing, right wing, broken wing. Lack of iron and or sleeping. Oh, Amazing. Lyric. Absolutely amazing. And, mate, just, oh, my and, God. But, like, to hark back to something you said earlier, this is one of the ones that, when I'm listening to this now, makes me go, I wish I'd heard the next one. I wish yeah. that he, there was another one after mm-hmm. this album that maybe this was what he was do more yeah. of or go further this direction. I think this is incredible. Um, and, uh, you know, it, even though some of it is really like Sonic Youthy and weird, when he gets to the, the chorus, that guitar riff is a fucking killer riff. You can't get away from that. That's just a banger of a riff. I fucking little man, her milk is my shit. My shit is my shit milk. is her milk. Man. What it's the so hell? Fucking caustic. Yeah, it's brutal. This yeah, song. yeah. You know, the, the, you know, this is as you know, we talk about fucking anal cunt records. This is uh, <laughs> yeah. this is this is far more fucking actually abrasive and unpleasant. Oh. Than no matter how hard they tried. And uh, as you said, a number one record. This is a, a number, number one. one um, yeah. Incredible. Absolutely incredible this. If you played this to so many people and go, this was on a number one record now, they'd be like, no, it wasn't. Shut your face. Shut your face. Yeah, yeah. So good. Nah, uh, I, this made me so happy whenever I re-remembered this one. And this, uh, here's the thing, right? What's yeah. this guitar solo? This is the thing, like, <laughs> this was uh, kind of upset, sound like a fucking old man. This is what upsets me with a lot of uh, contemporary heavy rock music, right? And obviously, there's so much good shit out there. Funny. But... So many bands just went heavier and heavier and heavier mm-hmm. that you lost the kind of the nuance and the shade in something like this. It's like this is unrelentingly heavy, but there's space in it for it to still feel heavy. 
sure. as opposed to like fucking five minutes of fucking just fucking saying just double, double kick, kick drum yeah, and sure. fucking screaming. But yeah, I love this man. Absolutely I love this. Wonderful. It's like you know, I mean, it's his top tier on this album for me. I mean, this I'm is so good. I mean, I'm I'm going out. I'm going out on a limb and saying, you know, breaking with tradition, this is on the playlist. I see, right. Just I, immediately. I just, Go on. I mean, there's no two ways so about it. Anyway. Good. So good. And, and what I'd like to do is comment on what happens next, but we need to take a break. Hold that thought for a minute and All check right, out okay. what went on with the singles. Do the singles. All right. Okay, so the singles, the top 10 uh, this week looks like this. I mean, there's a few I'm going to play and I'm not going to expect you to get them. Sure. Uh, you, you might get the band, whatever. Number 10 is this one. Sounds like Invisible Touch. Oh. Well, I mean, if, if only every song did, I'd be more than happy. I mean, this isn't a band that you like. No, it sounds very 80s. All oh, right, well, they started at the end of the 80s. But this is a big indie band of the time. Okay. No, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know this. No. Nah, you wouldn't know this. No. Uh, this is The Wonder Stuff with no. On The Ropes. Oh, yeah, uh, no, so no, number 10. No, that's, that's a blind spot in my musical knowledge. No, totally fine. And uh, realistically as well, this was post their really big time in the in the indie world. Yeah. Uh, but this was, hey, it's a number 10 single. You can't fuck with that too much. Uh, number nine is Depeche Mode with the Condemnation EP, yeah. which uh, is a new entry, but we've seen that, obviously, because we did the entire album. Condemnation, though, we all said whenever we did that was one of the gr- really big songs Perfect. on that. Really big. Uh, number eight, and I don't remember this song one bit, but see if you can get who it is, because it sounds like this act. Live. It's called Life. Yeah. How do I? Yes, it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's How do I doing the same song again? Yeah, I was like, I was like, I was like, it can't be something nice. Yeah, it's, absolutely. It's How do I. I don't remember this song, what, Life. Oh, you don't no. need to remember this one. You remember the other one? Well, quite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. But that's number uh, eight. Yeah, passed me by entirely. Number seven is Biddy McLean that stops, uh, keeps raining. Uh, number six, and. Uh, we've commented before about how much of this sort of shit was in the charts. Shabba ranks. No. no. Oh, the I, think, I think they're about to say it. Oh, Shabba oh. needs some pliers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's. She, she don't let nobody. Yeah. You must remember this. Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I do. Man. Yeah. I mean, I've. Yeah. Fucking the, hell. The, the, oh, Christ, this cod ragger phase. Oh. There was, was so, so much of it. So bad, man prevalent i don't know what drugs the music industry was taking except that i can probably guess yeah yeah um but this it was just a wash for a couple of but years they, they, it was selling though oh it really was that's because there was a load of middle class white people going yeah man this this speaks i to wonder me. if anyone's still listening to this oh uh, shakani was in pliers played worthing about a year ago nice i know it's like are you, a you're still together and b why the fuck are you playing worthing because someone gave them some money. Well, it's quite, yeah. Uh, so, that's number six. Number five is SWV right here. We've mm-hmm. seen that before. Number four, and unfortunately you're going to know this, I'm pretty sure. So, M people. Yeah. Moving on up. Yeah, it is moving yeah. on up. Um, that's one of their big hits as well. This was everywhere yeah. on the radio at that point. I remember hearing this yeah. all over the place. 
Again, just... That's like going testicular cancer. That's one of their big cancers. Yeah, yeah. but that, that little that saxophone on that boom, 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 horrible. Just oh, it's horrible. it's, it's, it's the worst. And then I fucking hear the small voice. Yeah, exactly. Horrible. I'd, I'd rather gargle jizz. There you are. Well, we can arrange that. Which is probably actually got that voice. Right. Uh, so that's number four. Number three is Culture Beat with Mr. Vane, which don't, we discussed no, at length. Don't, don't play it again. No, oh, no, not at all. Uh, number two is the Pet Shop Boys with Go West, which was in the charts last week, but we're going to be doing properly sure. in a future episode. And number one is DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince with Boom Shake the Room. So it got yeah. to number one at this point. Uh, that was a bad song. Oh, but it was uh, so much fun. So much fun. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, against mm-hmm. everything, I'm like, yeah. I'd, in the same way as fucking, like, you know, Come Baby Come is a terrible song, K7. But you're like, that's oh, it's fun. I, mm, I'd, I'd spend an afternoon with K7 rather than... Do would you? Baby. Oh, no, not at all. I, yeah, and a boom check the room, that, 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 over, that over... And I I like Fresh Prince and Jazz, just sure. other stuff, man. Yeah. I, you know, not such a fan of Will Smith's solo output. Oh, but again... It, Man, uh, it, no, in general, absolutely not. Uh, we're going to have to do Willennium, aren't we, probably? Oh, but more than likely. Oh, no. More than likely. But this is it. You know, I think there's a couple of those singles like, oh, yeah, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. It's good. But there are a couple of them are just like, that's painful to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. No, oh, we'll, we'll, we'll have to deal with that at some point. Uh, but right. Here you go. There's uh, more stuff coming out in this couple of weeks. This one got to number 13. And I know that you like this one. Oh, man. This is Here We Go by Stack of Bow. Fucking right, it I is. I fucking love this tune. <laughs> so catchy. Stack of Bow. Here we go again. Do you remember... Uh, Remember we saw Ugly Duckling and a guy who was rapping and they, he went, you're rapping like stack of bow. That's right, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they got someone up from the crowd. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God. God thought well, it was great and he got kind of dissed. Oh, sure. Uh, where where are they from, Stackabo? They Denmark uh, or yeah, maybe Sweden? Norway? One of the, one of the the, the Nordic countries, yeah. anyway. Bless them, Stackabo. I still remember seeing that on the word. Yeah, yeah, that was good fun. I've got the album somewhere. I know you've got the the whole thing. Uh, this one got to number twenty three, and I I really enjoyed this at the time. Ladies and gentlemen, as you know, we have something special down here at Birdland this evening. A recording. Yeah. A blue note oh, uh-huh. uh, I can't remember who it is though. Um, oh, right. it's, uh, it's one of those things. It's like it's like brand new heavies. Is the name, but it's something. What the fuck? All right, now no, you're going down the wrong. Oh, am I? Yeah, it's us, us three. Us three. Yeah, it's just us three with Cantaloupe. Yeah, Flip Fantasia, and I really enjoyed this when it came out. And it's it's you know lightweight pop rap but I think it's just such a obviously it's over a sample of a classic jazz tune but it's just really well put together I think this really good and this was again I suppose this was riding the wave of brand new heavies and Tingle Planets would just think come out there was Jasmine Taz and and, yeah Guru stuff yeah there's a a, a fair bit of that around Um, let's uh, I don't know if you're going to know this one or not but let's let's put it on just in case I know this one got to number 15 I think it's deceptive at the minute. It's like cardigans or something like that. It's not. Oh, no. Where is it? I, mean, I, I think oh, it's going to take a minute for his vocal to come in. Sorry. Oh. No, he'd, he'd, he'd love it. Oh, 
Oh, it's fucking... Um, it's oh, called so Roses yeah. in the Hospital. Oh, fuck, it's Manic Street Preachers. Manic Street Preachers, there you are. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. What album's this on? This is on Gold Against the Soul. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's the album that I like most of theirs. I think this is quite catchy. Um, but it's also one of their more just straightforward songs. But it's before they got into really straightforward dull shit. Oh, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I mean, yeah. Yeah, well, we'll talk, we're going to have to talk about them at some point because we're doing the album. Uh, but yeah, number 15 that one was anyway. Uh, this one... This apparently only got to number 44. Like Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, yeah. Um, ding, 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 uh, uh, disarm? No, it's um, ding, 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 Cherub Rock. No. Nope. No, it's fucking Rocket. No. Oh. The oh. big one, the really big one off the album. What's it fucking? I, I'm always shit with fucking Silent Dream somewhere. Ding, 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 I know, oh, I, mean, mate, I know the fucking song. Your man. brain is gonna um, burst as well. Um, What's it fucking called? The one that isn't inside by Stiltskin. Today is the Today, there you go, exactly. I fucking couldn't remember the name of the song. Today, yeah, only got to number 44, which I'm very surprised at. Because I'm sure we saw that Cherub Rock got maybe top 20 or something. I might, they must have re released that at some point or something. Well, I don't know, uh, but yeah, I suppose by the time this came out. The album been out and all the fans had bought yeah, that. Maybe. maybe it wasn't such a big deal over here. Don't know. Uh, right, this one though. This got to number nineteen, and I mean you're always, you're gonna know the, who this is straight away. But which song? Cypress Hill. Yes. It's not when the shit goes down. It is when the shit it goes is down. Okay, there yes, go. mate. Absolutely. Big tune. Big tune. Again, just so many typical Cypress Hill bits in this. That production is unmistakable. And then, yeah, vocal-wise, it's never going to be anybody else. Number 19, top 20 single, when the shit goes down. And I bought that on 12 They were a Reading headliner. Uh, yeah, they were at that point. Yeah, they were as well. Yeah, it was fucking massive. Um, but I, I bought the 12-inch of this, and it had to have the radio edit on as well, when the ship goes down. Yeah, yeah, thanks. I'm rolling my eyes. Mary Whitehouse or whatever, yeah. Uh, a couple others that I'm not going to bother playing. Well, we've got Cocteau Twins released Evangeline, so mm-hmm. still going. We've got number thirty-four. Teenage Fan Club released Norman Three, got to number fifty, which was kind of off their comeback album. Not so much comeback because they never made it big, but it was off uh, the first one since their big uh, press, sure. uh, the, the creation sure. stuff, and it kind of left me a bit cold. That one I enjoyed their stuff before, but then. Some people love Radio and Norman 3 and those, those songs. I'm like, not really for me. Yeah. But this one got to number 66. This is the last one I'm going to play. And this, you'll know fucking straight away. Yes, it's a sepulture territory. Fucking right it is. What a song. One of the best. What a song. This was, you know, obviously I was listening to, you know, quote unquote heavy stuff yeah. in 93. But this got me in a way that I wasn't expecting. This is a fucking Absolutely brilliant mind blow this was yeah so, the, the drums is crazy and, and whenever it breaks down uh, and it's just is it Igor on the drums yeah, yeah. just this bit like, <laughs> fucking glorious such a change from what they've done up well, until that's the now thing, as well I, this was the first I'd heard of Sepultura yeah. and then I went back and listened to a bit of a rise and I went oh, I, no I'm not into this yeah. as much at all this is what I wanted. I mean, I love Arise as well, obviously, but sure. I, I did. Yeah. Oh, come on, man. Oh, no, man. <laughs> so Speaks <good. laughs> to the world. <laughs> Sucking your trust. 
trapping everyone! Fucking love it. Incredible. Incredible. The amount of times that I dance like a dickhead to this in oh, rock clubs. Man, I just fucking lost my shit yeah, to this song man. so many times. I love it, man. And like, I like, uh, I know a lot of people like to like pure metal purists like to fucking dunk on Roots as well. But oh, I, I, oh yeah, I think well, KSA, metal, yeah, KSAD and Roots are fucking like the, the you know the gold period of Sepultura for me. I mean, I, I do love, I do love a rise. Um, Love a bit of dead embryonic sounds. What a fucking greatest <laughs> fucking song that is. But yeah, I mean, I, I like the groovier stuff more than the thrashy stuff. Oh, it's stuff. so much fun. Yeah, wonderful stuff. So there you go. Load of good singles actually. This this uh, two week period. Yeah, Top man. tens. The usual nonsense. But, Fair enough. But we got stuff coming out left, right, and centre. Oh mate, yeah, there's so much things. That, you know, we've had a couple of the really cool albums to talk about, and then just some of these some of these songs that we've had are ones that were, again, dance floor fillers in the clubs I was going mm-hmm. to. Cypress Hill, uh, Smashing Pumpkins, uh, Sepultura. Big, big tunes. Yeah. Classic. But, right, let's do the uh, the final bits of Nirvana here. Yeah, so we've just, we, obviously we've finished, and we've come out of the insanely caustic Milk It. I yes, mean, fuck yes, me, have. wow, that song's on there. And then we go from there... Into Penny Royalty. Oh, and this is one, another one of those songs that, yeah, it's downbeat, but it's so pretty that you can almost lose track of just how fucking bleak it is. Oh my god, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it's just like you know, I mean, like a lovely soft drink laced with a oh, horrible acid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, look. You know, when we talk about, um, you know, this isn't the definitive version of this song anymore. To me, the oh, are you talking about the unplugged unplugged version? Oh no, absolutely. I've got the same note. I think, yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, the the unplugged version where it's just him on the fucking guitar. Yeah, that's. And and he has to. He loses his plate, or he has to detune his guitar at some point or something. Yeah, fucking wonderful. That's perfect, man. But this man, this is just fucking excoriating, isn't it? It's Mm. just, just you know. Yeah. Fucking did that man. Listen, look at me, Lennon poet. Oh, Lennon corner afterworld. Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, it's so raw lyrically. Yeah. You know, if, if, for if you don't know, Penny Royalty is um, a, a herbal tea thing that uh, supposedly, if you drink enough of it, will cause an abortion. Yeah. So it's a, a, a sort of a remedy that people would yeah. use. Uh, look for it. Look for it becoming increasingly popular yeah, in the fucking United States. Fuck yeah. uh, the farms making it. I mean, fuck the Supreme Court, and also you know, fuck uh, the fact that you can't get a fucking abortion in Northern Ireland as well. Wow, well, mate, uh, we're so backwards. Uh, it's uh, uh, nuts, uh, we are recording this the day after the July twelfth protest or July twelfth. Marches, yeah, and it's still happening. And I'm watching clips going, that's still happening in Belfast, is it? Brilliant, thanks for you know, that. That's my town, you're fucking yeah. up, idiots, absolutely idiots. Uh, but yeah, you know, this song though is gorgeous, like you know, it's beautifully done, beautifully put together. But uh, this lyrically, it's about it, it's either about wanting to kill yourself, uh, and drinking enough that you abort yourself mm-hmm. or it's about drinking enough that to try and cleanse your body to try and get rid of the bad thoughts or the, the bad uh, things inside you, you're taking something to try and overcome the the, the, the the negative parts of you yeah and it's it's also about it's also about um, how he 
and his wife were being treated. The, that whole idea, we're anemic royalty. Mm, okay. That, yep. that idea that, you know, we're being held up to this standard for fucking no reason other than we've done this. That I'm famous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I wrote some big tunes. Yeah. Yeah. But so it's, it's, it's dark theme, or it's, it's dark themes and angry themes mm-hmm. inside this pretty song. Um, and this was another one that was written back in like uh, 91, I think it was, it, uh, but it wasn't recorded for Nevermind. I can see this one fitting on Nevermind. I can see this one in the middle of that um, working well. Sure. Obviously, it's kept back. They've only done it at this point. Um, but it, to me, it, this does sound like some of the songs back then. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I guess I can hear that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, again, very much love that song. I, you know, yeah. I prefer I prefer the uh, the unplugged version. It's just kind of got a, a just. It's slightly rawer, um, and it kind of works sure. better with that kind of slightly more plaintive delivery. I think. Sure. I, I, that version is only my favourite version because it exists. If you know what I mean. Oh no, fair enough. I mean, this is the Scotland remix. This is one of the yeah. ones that Scotland uh, did remix. You can listen to the Albini version because yeah. it's it's on the deluxe edition. I, I listened to it for this, and I think there are, there's very few bits that are actually that different, sure. uh, but. When it breaks into the chorus from the verse, it is much more raw. Mm -hmm. So there is that version as well. That is out there in the world. Uh, This was going to be the third and final single, um, but it was going to be released in April 94, and Kurt killed himself at that point, and so it was totally shelved. Um, It was released, as a, I think, as a 7-inch in about 2010 on Record Store Day or something. But this would have been, again, imagine this being a single. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they were like, oh, we'll stick this one on the radio. Mental? Just uh, fucking mental. I think it would have done well, though. I think it would have done, because it's got such a good tune, and it sounds like a great Nirvana mm-hmm. song. And uh, there'd be a load of people who wouldn't listen to what they're actually uh, uh, chatting about inside it. It's a great, great tune. Um, and yeah, probably would have been top ten. A song about an abortion drug. And hating yourself again and hating everything. Yeah. Fucking mental. Right. So just obviously after that, they need to go for more commercials. So yeah, this next sure, track's yeah. called uh, Radio Friendly Unit Shifter. Very possibly my favourite Nirvana title. Yeah. I love the fact that it, that's a real fuck you to I the mean, record I mean, my first note is this song is just a fuck you. you hey, yeah, totally. you've got this piercing feedback that comes in. I'm just about to hit this fucking downbeat that comes in. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's like 30 seconds of this feedback before yeah. anything else happens. And this is the longest song on the, apart from the hidden track, it's the longest song of 452. Mm-hmm. And it is just total well, up yours, Geffen. And the fucking gravelly fucking tone. All this, yeah, like the, the kind of beeping, like, like almost feedback. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, it's You know, this sounds like you've shit, you've, you've mic'd up your shitty band practice room. Sure, it? yeah. You know, lyrically, it's like a ADHD, neurodiverse fucking textbook. Like, what's wrong with me? Why am I so different? Right, yeah. Proper fucking outsider anthem again. I, this, this is the type of song that, you know, people tell you is, uh, this is the kind of song that people expect you to grow out of. Okay. And it always spoke to me. And I'm nearly fucking 50 and the song still speaks to me. Yeah. So fucking much. I mean, you know, still are so yeah, exactly. Well, what is wrong with me? What is it? What I need? What do I think I think? Yeah. The chorus it is that 
he's he's battling with himself because again it's back to he cannot make himself be happy he's a millionaire he's got a wife and a daughter who he loves he's got so much talent he's got people telling him that he's brilliant every single day Mm -hmm. and he's not happy Um, and so it's this railing against himself at this point Mm -hmm. Um, uh, also I think I, I like the fact, whether it's on purpose or not, but I like the fact that his vocals sit kind of low in this one. Mm-hmm. It's like they're almost fighting to be heard, mm-hmm. coming through a fog of everything, all the other sounds, yeah. which to me sounds like what he is. is, is yeah, it's, it's, like, it's like the music represents the noise in your brain. Yeah, exactly. And, and, the like struggle his, to and it. his voice is trying to cut through it and be heard. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, you know, I mean, still though, you've still got this kind of <laughs> really catchy. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly, this, this little is a fucking lovely. But country. for me, it's the walls of sound at the end of this track, like that last couple of minutes, where you're like, "Oh, this is why they needed Albini." Not, I mean, not that I'm not, not like it's a light bulb moment. I've kind of figured it out. Oh no, no, point, of course. But, but it couldn't really have been anyone else, could it? No, indeed. And the fact that, that, that they've made this song, you know, like we said, a called it Radio Friendly Unit Shifter, which is what obviously Geffen have been pushing him to. Yeah. Oh, let's, let's go. Have you got a radio track for us? You got a radio yeah. track? Got something for MTV? So he's called this Radio Friendly Unit Shifter. He's made it sound like this. He's made it the longest song on there. 30 seconds of feedback at the end. And yeah, we'll skip to, you know, a little bit uh, down the road here. And it's just this squalling minute-long outro of obnoxious noises, growl just pounding, pounding going on. Yeah, this is what you'd hear at the end of the fucking set when they're smashing up their kit. Exactly. Yeah, this is, all right, we're going to have to go, uh, let's kick everything in the face. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that this is on there, okay, yes, it's at track number ten. It's not like they opened with this, fine, but it's on here, and it's brilliant for it. Yeah. Oh, stunner! This is. Uh, this is another one I was like, forgotten how good this was. Yeah. Just, but it's, but perfectly straight back in. One of, uh, yeah, love it, love it. Uh, right, but we'll, we'll bring this on to track number eleven, which is the shortest song mm-hmm. on the album, and it's Tourette's. Yes. Moderate rock. Again. There's, there's a fuck you again, you know. And this is just a straight up ripper. Oh, it's incredible. This it, is the stay away of this album, yeah, really, isn't it? Yeah. You like fucking hear like roll fucking hand muting those symbols at the start. Right. And it's just like fucking he's untethered. Like one minute thirty-five. And I'll be honest with you, uh, says more in this fucking song than one minute thirty-five. Than Meatloaf and Jim Steinman said in all of that. <laughs> 75 minutes of that. That that bit where, again, where um, the drums drop out, this has got that, yeah. that guitar and it comes back in, I think is so perfectly done. This is probably my favourite song on the album. I love um, this and song. I, I love this instantly because it is, like you say, it's just so mm-hmm. unstoppable. But that riff is 100% killer. And uh, it, this was another one that I used to play in clubs just to almost see what people would do because yeah. it's not one of the singles it's not really one of the ones that people would know it's track 11 on there but I'm like oh, okay let's see who's into this and anyone who was I was like full respect to you the, the problem is if you're in a big enough club it's fucking over before the time you've got to the it's true floor. absolutely true um, this is also the only song on the album which didn't have any lyrics on it mm. on the, the sleeve when I bought the record. And so I had no idea what was going on. And I almost thought, because it's called Tourette's, mm. um, you can only make out certain bits. And I almost was like, I wonder if this is just sounds, if he's just making sounds. Yeah. But yeah, it turns out there are some words, yeah. which I don't really give a shit about. But 
fucking incredible song. Amazing. That that is one of the ones that um, just kicks me in the face and I want it to do it over and over and over. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so that's like the official second last song on the album. So yeah, uh, last official song on the record is All Apologies. Again, another one that's a big fucking unplugged song. Totally. Um, And what a way to finish it. But this is another Scott Lick mix as well. Yeah. So you can tell it's kind of brighter. But this is a hugely real song. This is, you know, this is kind of, for me, like, do you agree with this or not? To me, this has got like a Beatles-y kind of psychedelia kind of edge to it. You know, it feels like more optimistic, but, you know, that undercut of... Mm -hmm. uh, of Edge is always there. You've got a cello on it as well. Oh, you? which which is a perfect addition. You know, it works so well in there. But in the same way that Nevermind ended on something in the way, uh, this is ending, and even you know a, a much less commercial album. This is the way they're doing it. This is beautiful. Yeah. You know, one hundred percent beautiful. Um, it was it was you know released as a single as a double A side uh, with with Rate Me. And so it's, by default, it's like the last single they released as well, which is in itself heartbreaking and gorgeous, all that yeah. stuff. But yeah, this one as, a, as an outro for an album, uh, the, the official song, fucking gorgeous. But th- this was also uh, written in 1990. Yeah. This was written in the kind of the Nevermind sessions, but was left. How can you leave a song like this on the side? I don't know, man. Incredible, incredible. Um, this does. If you can tell that the production is a Scotland one, really, because it's a bit more full. It's a bit more not shiny. That's the wrong word, but it, there's more to it. It's fleshed out. Um, it doesn't. It's not as harsh. Yeah. Um, I just can't say enough good things about it, though. The, the, the whole thing about what else can I do? What do you want from me? What can I give you that I haven't already given? But then there's almost the thing about him going. Uh, what? Well, it's like, do you want? What? I'm all apologies. What do you want? All apologies. But he's like, actually, no. I'm not giving it anymore. I'm done. I am done. I'm going to look after me and mine. I just, I, he just, I, I kind of, I'm kind of finding it a little bit difficult to almost talk about this song because I'm too busy listening to I it. I see, right. Uh, I, I love this song, man. I love this song. I've always loved this song. Yeah. Um, when it breaks into this solo as well. Yeah. Fucking wonderful. And then, because the, the whole like extended outro is... Uh, Cobain and Grohl duetting yeah. on the, the just all in all is all we are over and over and over and it works so well thing of beauty it, it, it kind of it has it has got an optimism that so much of their stuff doesn't have mm. sure um, but yeah I, yeah, yeah. Well, what, what a song oh what sorry song? Um, both Q and NME um, have placed this at the top of their best Nirvana songs lists yeah, I, I, I mean, it's it's, it's, it's it's hard to argue. I mean, it's yeah. not. I don't think it's mine, but it is a fucking fantastic. Song. Oh, it's incredible. No, and we are. yeah, it's, to, to to just fade out on this perfection. Yeah, uh, big big fan, big big fan. And again, it was straight away, I was like, oh, yeah. this is wonderful. And then I think it was only like the next month or something that the unplugged album or the unplugged show was on NTV. Yeah. Maybe a couple of months later, mm-hmm. and that became the big version of it and yeah. that was the video that they played whenever they released this it's a single in December um, so, but it's just it was hammered in so much that I, I mean I see that's the thing I think I prefer the album version of this song okay to the unplugged version I think I prefer it whereas Penny Royalty I prefer 
you go go unplugged on that. Yeah, but um, fair enough. Nah, that's just personal choice. But wow, uh, beautiful. And then, so now that would be the. Uh, so you bought this on vinyl. Yes, indeed. So this would be the end of your journey. That's all I had. That I was bought, it. Done. I bought this on CD. Uh huh. So I had we had the bonus track. We'll talk about it because it was officially released. Sure. Bonus track was called uh, "Gallons of Rubbing Alcohol." Flow um, through the strip. Flow through the strip. Uh, and yeah, you say it's the longest track on the record. Let's sure. stick it on. And also, it came after like 20 minutes of silence. It's one of those yeah. hidden tracks at the, yeah. Yeah, to, to kind of fool you. I mean, I never really took this seriously as a track, I think, at the time. Sure. It felt like a demo, and, you know, actually, well, it, is. it is a yeah, demo. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, so, you know, it's it's kind of them fucking around, but it's, you know, it's kind of a good glimpse behind the curtains of what they're doing. Um, sure, okay, like, just, this is, it sounds like a jam, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, you know, I've been in this room. I mean, not, you know, not with this level of talent. <laughs> right, but, but yeah, this is what a band will yeah. do left to their own devices. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, again, I have hardly heard this at all. I've yeah. heard it a couple of times on whatever box sets that I've had in the yeah. past. Uh, and this is totally fine. It is what it is. It's mm. not a song on the album. It's uh, an addition. It's a bit of fun. Yeah. They've chucked it on. Exactly. It's that. fine. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's a DVD extra, isn't it? Yeah, totally. It's a deleted scene. Yeah. But yeah, I don't... The thing is, yeah... It's fine. It's it's unexceptional. It's yeah, you know, but uh, but it's not meant to be part of the album. Sure, I don't think it's supposed to be judged in comparison. And to if the you rest. disagree with that, let us know. But anyway, okay. so I don't, I don't. To be honest with you, I don't want to spend too much time on this track because I haven't got that yeah, much sure. to say about it. No, no, no. But in terms of the album as a whole, mm-hmm. obviously it's not the smash it after smash it of Nevermind. You haven't got like no. fucking six singles off of this. You don't have. You know, kind of uh, come as you are. Yeah, you don't have all of those songs. Yeah, yeah. I think what you have is enough evidence that had he wanted to do that, he had the gears for it. Mm -hmm. I don't. I don't think uh, the lack of writing commercial hits was due to not having the ability. It was due to not having the inclination. Yeah, no, he deliberately wanted to do something away from what that was. And the thing is, this album. it's it's imperfections that kind of make it almost perfect. Right. It's so fucking ugly and brutal and abrasive. It's it's so it's like it's disfigured itself. Yeah, yeah. But you you know that's a choice. Definitely. But you like you, no matter doesn't matter what you do to it, you can't kind of mask the beauty. Do you know what I mean? You can't. Uh, exactly. It's, it's all it, in there. It does. It comes through even in the other, kind of the harshest songs. There's just a riff that is like, oh, that is class. Yeah, man. I, I, you know, this to me. I like Bleach enough, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know. As we discussed on the Nirvana one, I, you know, on the Nevermind one, I love, I love Nevermind. I very rarely return to it, even after the mm-hmm. podcast episode. But you know, this to me is their most complete and perfect work. It's also the thing that hints the most that they had so much, so many other places yeah. to go, which makes it fucking. Yeah. So it's difficult. such a, a tragedy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, to me, this is a generational record, like a record that kind of almost shouldn't exist like a glitch in the matrix it almost okay. like a perfect confluence of things came together that allowed this fucking record to exist in the way that it does yeah, yeah. um and you know it's, like i said it's a genuine outsider record it says more about the kind of people that i kind of want to associate myself with than most other records do and right I, okay I, I just think it's just genuinely fucking brilliant from start to finish yeah i don't think there's a bad song on there at all no. I think this is a solid 10 out of 10. Every single song is yeah. fucking brilliant. Some better than others, some catchier than others, but in their own way, in very different ways. I think this is a 
just genius record to do. Yeah, I, I, I think this is a fucking incredible record. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's to me, it stood the test of time. It's, it's amazing that this was as big as it was. I think a lot of Twitter agrees with us because I only uh, put the thing out today saying, what is your memories? Um, and we had a load of people get back to us on this one. Um, and in terms of just generational stuff, one of the first ones, uh, uh, Stephen McDade got back to us and said that his 15-year-old daughter bought it for herself on vinyl literally today. Uh, so it's playing in their gaff right now. And so, yeah, 30 years on, a 15-year-old is discovering this record, which is yeah. wonderful. Amazing. I mean, I mean you know, the thing about this record, the thing that makes me laugh about this as well is, yeah, you can you can go into Sainsbury's and buy this record right, on sure. vinyl. That's yeah. where I bought mine. Right. Because it was fucking cheap. You know? <laughs> yeah, there you go. And it's like, you know, this is not a record you should be able to buy in Sainsbury's. Just yeah, yeah, on a whim with your bread and eggs. Exactly. Yeah. You, know, this, you know, you can't go in and buy fucking Neurosis through Silver and Black, <laughs> you know? No. Uh, And this is as subversive as that. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, We had uh, Cliff, our mate Cliff, uh, who runs the Carolina Brunswick in Brighton. He said this was his first CD as opposed to LP or tape that he ever bought. Um, He's always preferred Bleach to Nevermind. uh, So Albini's raw production was very welcome. Uh, He says, I knew every lyric and would sing the whole album in my head to kill time when I'd finished an exam 40 minutes early. A little bit of a humble brag there, I think, from Cliff. Indeed. Um, so Kinza, uh, I was only 11 when this came out. Jesus, I fell old. But I remember hearing Heart Shaped Box and thinking I'd heard nothing like it before. Mm-hmm. Stood out so much, loved the video. Uh, unfortunately, it was a little while before I'd listened to a new intro in full, but now it's an all-time favourite. That's fair. I mean, I suppose if you're 11 and you hear the single, you're not necessarily buying your own music at that point in 93 if you're 11. Yeah, so you I'm do not- have to wait until you, either you're given it or you, you're a bit older and you can buy it yourself. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure how much Senseless Dependence would have made sense to me at age 11. It's very true. Very so, true. But fair enough, been 11 and loving Heart Shaped Box. Oh, good Kudos on you, man. Uh, yeah, Niall Bakewell uh, with the Zeros podcast, which we guest on, in fact, and is nice. about to be released, I think, starting this week. Uh, uh, we're, awesome. we're mid-July, so I think he's going to start releasing them. Um, he said this was an 18th birthday present from his then-girlfriend. Instantly blew me away. Senseless Apprentice was an electric shock. Heart Shaped Box, still their best song by far. According to Niall... Amazing. Right, but Amazing. yeah, Sentinel Supreme is exactly what we said. He's like, what the fuck it is? It's just uh, a, a smack whenever you, you get into this album. He's like, what's going on? Uh, Bradders, 75, hot take. Don't particularly care for Nirvana. Ooh. Despite their fully deserved place in music history and legacy, I could list 100 uh, records uh, that mean more to me from that time. I gave this one a lot of time in 93, 94, but never get on with it and have ignored it ever since. And that okay. is a perfectly valid opinion, Bradders, uh, albeit. An incorrect one. Indeed. I I wonder if hearing us enthuse about it has changed any of your opinions on that I mean, he's, 30 he, years down the line he, he did come back to us as well he said well, for context I think my grew up with New Euros while I'm fine with bands making abrasive and difficult art this felt like to me Nirvana got what they wanted decided they no longer wanted it and deliberately tried derailing it and the music fan of me doesn't really respect that now I think that mm, is okay. I think that is a fucking hot take Brad well because I mean, that is exactly what they did well it is exactly what they did but I think you know the, the thing that makes so many Nirvana records so good is they're driven by as we saw we talked by that fucking conflict of Kurt Cobain of like how mm. can I fucking make myself how, how can I make myself fit in uh, and you know it's fucking almost ghoulish to derive pleasure from somebody struggling that way but it's about empathy it's about if you can see that in yourself and you can see that struggle and you can see, see how difficult it is for someone to fit in and find that find that groove you know I, you know, the idea of finding what you want and then realising 
that it's not what you want. That's that, that mm. that's not that's not a whim thing. That's not like a churlish throwaway thing. That's like a heartbreaking fucking realization that you can do nothing about. Oh sure, but it's also he saw himself. He he was being told by you know people he would have respected mm. that he'd sold out. You know, Albini said uh, before he was taken on board, he was saying, oh, well, they're just like a, a shiny R.E.M. type band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that would have hurt from uh, one of Cobain's heroes to hear mm. that. So he's being told, oh, you're sellout, you're sellout. So he is deliberately going, all right, no, but this is what I can do. This is more yeah. me. Um, and so he is, he's absolutely going, all right, no, this, uh, we are not just the commercial sheeny band that you've seen on MTV. Which is, so, yes, it is deliberately what they did, but I've got m- full respect for him for doing yeah, that because he, he, could, he could have just done the same and, you know, and if you you know if you go right well they've got three studio albums mm-hmm. two of them have got more in common with them one of them and you know actually the the weight of you know Bleach has got more in common with In Utero than it mm-hmm. has with Nevermind you know yeah, so you actually go well on balance Nevermind what's the, the real Nirvana yeah, yeah Nevermind is the anomaly almost. right sure yeah uh, but yeah I mean, no mate uh, yeah, thank, thanks for your comment about it. it's all good to inspire a bit of uh, of debate but there we go um, Ben Collins mm-hmm. uh, I bought Heart Shaped Box on 7 inch from Asda Lovely. by my school uh, I don't remember even Asda selling 7 inches yeah. uh, when it was reduced after dropping out of the charts probably my favourite Nirvana song I taped the album from a friend because CDs were expensive back then they yeah. fucking went although mine was 11 because I bought it on the week of release oh nice okay still got the HMV sticker on it oh, right. Nice. It's a very intense number one album. Uh, now I prefer the 2013 mix. Oh, right. I mean, I must admit, I don't know which one we listened to. On uh, I, one. I, yeah. I, so I, we didn't I, listen to the deluxe edition. No, I mean, I'm not sure. I, is the, I've got a feeling it was a 2013 mix that's knocking about on Spotify. Yeah. I, I would have to listen to them side no, by side to kind of work sure. out. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Stephen Hill, though, from the Riot Act podcast. Uh, you, he said, the biggest band in the world releasing an album with stuff like Milk It and Radio Friendly Unit Shifter on it. Absolute heroes. The best album by the most important band in any of our lifetimes. Yeah. I mean, um, that's some big words, but yeah. I can't argue with any of them. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah. yeah. Again, yeah, you know... Uh, not my favourite band. Not I, I've got to stress this as much as I'm fucking absolutely. You know, this isn't. Uh, I love it. I love this as a fucking mm-hmm. piece of art. There are other albums I enjoy more. Oh, totally. But, right? he, but he, this he, is a fucking wonderful record, and I think uh, yeah, I can't I can't argue with oh, yeah, but anything no, I mean, you he, say. That he's thing. he's also not saying they're his favourite, but he's no, saying know, the most I important. I know. I think and, I'm just making the distinction. Oh, right, you know? fine, yeah. Uh, Martin Young, hey Martin. Hey. Um, this record contains probably the best examples of Kurt's screaming vocals. Mm-hmm. Agree. Always the best thing about Nirvana for me. On the whole, I think this one is slightly overrated, but still very, very good. No, fair um, enough. Okay. I, mean, I don't know if it is it overrated. I mean, for, I don't know. Uh, there is a lot. I, mean, I guess the people I would talk to uh, in terms of music com- compatriots mm. would probably say, "Oh, Ian Utero is my favourite." Nirvana album mm. because it's not the commercial Nevermind uh, but it's got the, the tunes whatever it is a lot of my friends I think would say that so maybe it is overrated in that because there's maybe an inverse snobbery going on I'm not sure but uh, I don't know the people I would talk to and maybe the Martin Young's the same that all he's hearing is oh well that's the best one yeah, I don't know uh, yeah Brian uh, at Brian just Brian uh, said this was the first anticipated record he can recall eagerly awaiting the release of uh, I remember getting the heart shaped box single with the Dave Grohl fronted Marigold on the B-side then the album itself both on cassette I mean those were the days when oh, you would choose to buy a cassette mm-hmm. uh, an amazing listen and still my favourite Nirvana album yeah fantastic thank you Brian 
David O'Brien, Icy Four Fingers. I'd seen Heart Shape Box on Heavy Rotation MTV. I uh, was getting very excited about this. Uh, also excited for this, I should say. Uh, I think the heavier songs left me a little nonplussed when I first heard it, as the production is so stark. But these would grow on me, especially after hearing live versions. Mm-hmm. Uh, the album is a showcase for Cobain's songwriting. The artwork is superb and the overall atmosphere is just one of a, cu- a furiously thrashing chaotic beauty. The perfect third album. I just threw myself into it. Heart shaped boxed and so I see oh, what nice. you did Lovely. there. there Favourite track, Milk It. Milk It. What a fucking tune. That is a biggie. Uh, AW uh, at AGMOW2012 after a horrendous day, Radio Friendly is still my go-to song. I nice. think it's inspirational that the songs that, while incredibly heavy and including dark subject matter, still managed to have a popular and catchy style. He was a genius. Remember buying it at my local Woolworths. Fuck me. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Dave Roddy. Raw Power Roddy. Yes, uh, right. Yes, Roddy. Uh, loved Nevermind. Bought a new row the week he came out on cassette. But the main memory of what was a lad in school. Never showed much interest in music. Singing Serve the Servants during... Indoor PE, gone mainstream with a non-mainstream album. No, interesting. Okay, well, I wonder, was that... Surely this would have been very few people's, if they were into music at all, it would be very few people's first uh, visit to Nirvana. Everyone must have known Nevermind to an extent before getting this. Who knows? I don't but know. I don't maybe know. Not. don't know. Who knows? Uh, Horsemeat uh, said, being totally honest, I was a little disappointed when it came out. Nevermind had taken me from a kid into a teen, but come 93, I was listening to a lot of slick-sounding death metal like Carcass, so it sounded a too raw for me. When I reached my 20s, I finally got it. Oh, yeah, right. fair dues, man. I mean, I was listening to a bit of Carcass around this time, but I think I was also listening to a lot of kind of really stripped-down stuff, as I say, you know, that mm-hmm. amphetamine record, Discord records, yeah, you know, that, that kind of slightly kind of grinding, you know, listening to Fudge Tunnel and fucking stuff like that as well. Yeah, But, um, you know, yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally but, see your point, but I'm glad you got it there in the end. Exactly, if you come round to it at some point, brilliant. Right, now... I'm going mm. to have to read this one out. Yes, please do. Fucking like Darren Asgard, one of, friend of the show, fucking one of my best fucking friends in the yep. entire world, man. Um, and yeah, he was he was uh, on here for the Def Leppard episode. Yeah, look. One, if not the most overrated bands in alternative music, in my opinion. Can't deny their influence, totally understand the popularity, but always prefer Pearl Jam, Alice in Chains and Soundgarden. Their best album is Unplugged, which is exceptional. In Utero is good, not great. Wow. And I, I mean... What the fuck? Hang on. Uh, this being said, if I'd seen them live, I'm 100% confident they'd be one of my favourite bands in a new era would be a personal classic. Okay, that's okay. Uh, that's a fair... I mean, I, I hope you will go back to this record after we've listened to it because I was hanging around Darren a lot when this record came sure. out. But I, was, um, but I guess we never really listened to this album a lot together. But this, this, I don't know. This is... Uh, yeah, this, this is a fucking so much more raw album than any of the other things that you mention yeah um, yeah basically thank you for all the feedback yeah mate absolutely um, thank you everyone actually quite Twitter. overwhelmed by the amount of feedback we we had in specifically only, as we only gave it a few hours mm. was, you know we'd probably got a few more responses in um but yeah thank you thank you for getting in contact it's always interesting uh, obviously if you've been here if you like coming here and listen to us snark on records i appreciate that this fucking gushing bukake oh, session Straight possibly up. may not be what you were after um but you know it's, it's been a while since we We've had one that's just been this. Oh, we've been looking forward to this one for a yeah, long. We've seen this, you know, on the list coming up. We're like, oh, can't wait to get into this. Yeah, I, I fucking, I yeah. love being able to get into a record that I love, and exactly. you know, I'd always much rather love, you know, because yeah. you should love way more than you hate. Are you mad? I thought you'd be happy. We made this episode. 
Uh, what are you quoting there? Paraphrasing 50 Cent in the club. Are you now? Yeah. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, well. I'm, I'm not, not saying <laughs> I wouldn't do the next bit because it's got a really horrible homophobic slur in it. I uh, see. Well, um, but yeah, who'd man. have thought 50 Cent wasn't tolerant? Yeah, who wouldn't have thought? Uh, did, 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 he have, did you know he got shot? No, he should have mentioned that. Yeah, he should have, shouldn't he? He should have mentioned that. Um, no. Right, look, we're at the end of this, basically, and we've got one more task, and this is not going to be an easy task. Okay. Uh, so we always have to put at least one uh, and a maximum of three songs into our ongoing playlist if it was a number one album. This was. So we have to choose three out of these songs. Well, I'm going to assume it's three. Yeah, it's three. It's, it's three, because I can't narrow it down to less than three. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's it going to be? Which ones? Okay, now. Hmm. Do we make a decision and avoid the singles? Yep. Right. Yes, we do. Okay. No singles. Fine. So that means the four, there's four tracks that are ruled out. Yep. Heart Shape Box. Yep. Uh, yep. Penny Royalty. Yep. Rate, uh, all Apologies. And Rate Me. Yeah. Right. So we're not having those. Okay. Fine. I mean, I would go, like I said, my favorite is Tourette's. Just because it's a fucking punch. I'm, mm-hmm. But it's not necessarily uh, one of the, a joint favorite on there. And that's fine. Would you go Milk It? Yes. Would you go Francis Farmer? Would you go Sentless Apprentice? Yeah, Milk It is in. Right. right milk, milk It's it, done. Milk It's in. I, I like Francis Farmer. Mm-hmm. It's not, for me, one of the most complete songs on there. Uh-huh. I would go... Per, if I had my druthers... Yes. I would go uh, Radio Friendly Unit Shifter. Right. Dumb... Isn't a single. Oh, fuck. Dumb isn't a single. Oh, well, I mean, I'm dumb. So, I'm, 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 yeah, yeah, so fuck, if, fuck, if we do Milk It and Dumb, yeah. that's two. And then let's do Radio Friendly after that then. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You go you go Radio Friendly I'm fine with Setless, that. yeah? Totally fine. Perfect. Oh, uh, yeah, I would do that over Setless Brands, even though I love that too. But, cool. Uh, yeah. But that's fine then. That's yeah? fine. Yeah. Right. Sweet. Done. Love it. Lovely stuff. Wicked. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we will be back um, as soon as we can. I'm, I'm on holiday next week, mm-hmm. uh, inconveniently. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll be back. We'll see I'm going to do. But I'll, I'll listen to the. Uh, I'll listen to uh, the next album by the Pool. Oh yeah, sure. It's, it's a good it's Pool probably, album. Uh, I suspect it's very summery. Yeah, yes. yeah. It's uh, Pet Shop Boys. Pet Shop Boys and very. Yeah, very. So that's um, the next one we're doing. Looking forward to that. Um, thank you for joining us, guys. Um, we'll see you soon. Take it easy. Nice one. Cheers, guys. Bye. Thank you for checking out this episode of Pop Collaborate and Listen. It was produced and edited by us, for which we can only apologise. We are on Twitter, at PCL Podcast, on Instagram, also at PCL Podcast, and facebook.com slash PCL Podcast. All of these, plus links to our various Spotify playlists, etc., are on our website, which is pclpodcast.com. Please feel free to get in contact via any of the social media or on PCL Music Podcast at gmail.com.